welcome to Street Fight Radio, the number one anarcho-comedy radio show on any station across the nation. We're here to take your calls tonight. That's right, guys, gals, and non-binary pals. We want to hear from you. Uh, tell us your stories about small business tyrants, drug, dare officers, military recruitment, anything that we might find interesting. We want to hear from you. The number to dial is 614-655-3887. We're here every single Sunday, 9 p.m. to midnight Eastern Time. You can watch us on all the live streams, Facebook, 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 and Facebook. Uh, just jump in that chat. If you got nothing else to do, there's other people hanging out. If you're on Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, you can also see it as well. Um, ready to get this thing started. Still raising money also for Kayla. If you want to help her out, send it to our Venmo at Street Fight Radio. That's the donation pot uh that i put together myself and so that's what we're doing right now uh is there anything left i don't think so we got new bonus shows just came out on the patreon we've got uh a lot of stuff out right now september is going to be awesome because we're home the whole time and uh, i'm ready to get this started I'm October coming up October 1st. You gotta get on Patreon, five dollars and up, so that on October 1st you aren't left out. Yes, it's October. We are going to be doing a premium level subscription. We gotta pay people. We gotta pay guests. We have to pay for labor to get all these audio clips together. Uh, it requires a lot of effort. So uh, if you bump up to the five dollar level in October, we're going to be offering that bonus audio for everybody, five dollars and above. Yep. Cool shows coming up. Cool shows. First episode, October 1st, Opie and Anthony. You're going to get a deep dive into Opie and Anthony with me and Felix Biederman. Second episode will be probably me, Felix, and Brett talking about Tom Likas. And uh, we'll announce the rest as they go. I don't think you need to do all of them. But, uh, you know, they're all going to be very cool. They're all very cool guests. And it's it's going to be a good, good time. Yeah. How you doing, Brett? so far so good my weekend was actually more chill than it's been in recent weeks uh and i got to relax a little bit so i was i had a good time nothing exciting i did birthday stuff which is you know fine but it's birthday stuff birthday parties like for kids yeah yeah those are all the time it seems like they never end and you just are doing them constantly I got lucky this year. My kid's going to Austin City Limit, so I don't have to throw a birthday. You know, you just be like, hey, this is your birthday present. There you go. Boom. Hey, Adrian D., thanks for sending that money. That's a pretty quick response. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Send but yeah, mono. ACL is like, that should count for two birthdays. I would have. <laughs> Ain't going to count for two birthdays, buddy. Nothing counts for two birthdays. That's true. It's crazy, like, how much, how important birthdays are to kids. Like, uh, I mean, they're still important to me. I, like, want to be treated special on my birthday. You know? Like, I get pissed when people don't treat me special on my birthday. I'm like, what the fuck, man? Why is everybody ignoring me? This is my big special day. Right. You know? And, uh, you know, kids are the same way. I think we're all, like, conditioned to feel that way. Like, mm. from the when we're born, it's like, you're the most important person today. So, it becomes your favorite day. And then... Because, I mean, when my daughter was like six and seven, man, she was already thinking about her next birthday eight months before her birthday. Yeah, Charlotte's already like, well, can I get it when I turn seven? Can I get that gift when I turn seven then? Yeah. It's like, no. We're not, you, don't, you aren't going to want anything 
Uh, I've been running like crazy this weekend because the kid had to uh, get a physical for sports. And uh, I don't think she really wants to play sports. I don't think she likes playing sports. But I had to go get her a physical. <coughs> yeah. And uh, she fought it all the way until it's actually we did it one day late because it was just like. You do it or you don't play. Yeah. It's like you do it or you don't play. And she's like, you know, basically she's like me and that she was thinking like, I don't. I don't care if I don't play. Like, I don't want to play, really. But it's like, then why'd you join a sport? Right. You know? Don't join a sport if you don't want to play out there, teenagers that are listening to this show. You know? Yeah. Get out of here. That's good advice for our teen listeners. Yeah. For any of our high school listeners, sports are expensive. Get the physical. You have to. Yeah. Yeah. I also got to buy a homecoming dress. That's nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm starting to think about, like, prom, though. In, like, three years, it's going to be homecoming dress and then right to a turnaround on prom. For me. I mean, not for her. It's going to feel like a decade, right? Like, that time between homecoming and prom is going to feel like forever. But to me, it's going to feel like 15 minutes. It's going to drive me fucking crazy. Yeah. I and mean, what a prom dress is, like, five grand now is... No. Like, are that how expensive do you think a prom dress is? It's like, however, I mean, people make do. I mean, you are always focused on like some level of normalcy on TV that is always for people that make like a quarter million dollars. Like, that's on TV, what's normal on TV, like Modern Family, they put bring in about $250,000 a year. Like, all of your TV show <laughs> sitcom people, that's about how much they make. Okay, I'm feeling better because I'm looking at prom dresses now, and, and it's looking like the most expensive one I saw was like two twenty eight. Yeah, I mean you're. Right. I can yeah. do that. Yeah, yeah you're gonna be pissed gonna because you're gonna be like, you know, you could actually get like a Bape Adidas combo tracksuit for about the same price as your prom dress. Well, that's that what you're gonna true. be doing. Yeah, you should just wear a Bape Adidas combo. I mean, you're only gonna wear it once. That's the yeah. frustrating thing I think, like that I don't understand. Because here's the thing. I embarrassed a girl when I was in eighth grade because she asked me to a dance and I showed up to the dance in shorts and a t-shirt. Oh, no. The eighth grade dance. Because I didn't know, dude. And I think my parents might have bought me dress up clothes because they would have been excited that I wanted to dress up. But I was afraid to ask them for dress up clothes. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, I showed up in those clothes and it was just like she's in a dress. I'm in jean shorts and a t-shirt. It's a horrible experience. So I do know that I got to make sure I buy her the things that she needs to be successful in dressing up. But I also think that, like, I probably would have bought a a suit in the ninth grade and just worn it to all the things, you know? No, I don't believe that at all. Why? Because you just told us, we just had a story... Uh, from three weeks ago about how you didn't have any clothes to wear to a proper engagement and then you just told a story about 25 years ago you had the same problem so i don't think you've moved much on the issue and i don't think that you are ever going to do anything different you weren't eventually going to come around on dress clothes no i think if i would have gotten it though Uh i would have just busted it out for each occasion i didn't go to any dances anyway you know yeah i didn't go to prom Either. Drove around in my car in my friend Sarah's XR4TI Mercur and uh, drank out of a bottle of cheap rum 
and we just went to the parties and stuff. I think it's everybody else's fault that just doesn't understand who you are and won't accept you for your way that you express yourself and you like to dress. I think people do respect it, though. I don't think... Do you think anybody expects me to, like, dress up when we show up to things? No. Yeah. you know, I don't think so, either. I think people... I think, like... This is this is gonna come off like conceited or whatever, but I think people are just like, well, at least he came. And I'm not saying that like, oh, the thing is a failure if I don't show up to the thing. I'm saying that as in like, you know, he left, he did something he didn't want to do, you know. And, you know, Brian did something he didn't want to do, and he doesn't do that, and that's a great thing that he showed up. But I did that that funeral, man. That was a that was a uh, shock to the system. I'm gonna tell you the truth. That right. was. One of those moments in my life where I looked around and I was like, I mean, I remember looking around and being like, well, that woman's in scrubs, you know, so seems fine. What I wore. Yeah. I mean, you're wearing a woman in scrubs. You were wearing your job uniform as well. (laughs) I did have jeans on. Yeah. You were wearing your job uniform. I put on what I wear on stage at a live Mm, show. Basically mm. jeans, t-shirt, Air Force Ones. Didn't think it looked too bad. You know, no, no. so I was feeling pretty good about myself, you know, but I also kind of was like, I, I should have probably, I went and bought some. I just don't know what you got. It's just crazy because like you are living your own way, but then just feel bad about it the whole time. You're not even just like arrogantly bulldozing your way through things saying, I'll dress how the fuck I want to dress. I don't no. give a fuck how anybody else is. You're doing it, but then also like, I hate this. <laughs> I feel bad all the time about everything. <laughs> I never feel good about my decisions, but it, it, you're right, though. When you look at me compared to like the other people that were around, I don't think any of them expect like, more out of me. You don't even listen to the. You don't even listen to, like, other people get bullied into buying the clothes by their, like, anxious feelings like other people just comply with all of those thoughts you think them and don't like i don't like they're just worthless you're right you're probably right i can agree with that but i I just uh, i i don't know i don't think anybody's looking at me you know yeah nobody does care yeah that's the thing i don't think i think everybody could wear jeans and t-shirts to a, a funeral and everybody would be okay with it yeah yeah you're right like I think the whole I think everybody could wear jeans and t-shirts to a wedding. And everybody would be okay. I don't even think the Brian Groom would care. But then someone would show up in pajama pants the next time. Well, you're probably right. I just think that like that all that kind of pressure is the pre- is is self-made. It's not pressure from other people. Yeah, yeah. I don't for think sure. any of that kind of pressure is a thing that like I and making myself feel bad. Yeah. And and Just other second people are, guessing yourself. Yeah. And I think that like uh I don't think we live in a formal world anymore. I just don't think we live in a world where people do formal things. It is really hard just to to expect that from anybody because, like, young people, I mean, us now that we're getting older, are just like, uh man, we really don't care. Well, what's know? the damn point? What is the point? I mean, I understand wanting to look nice. Like, I totally understand it. But our idea of what looks nice can evolve. It doesn't have to be the same shit that people wore in 1920. It doesn't have to be that. It right. could be that a nice t-shirt and a nice pair of jeans is formal yeah. in our time because it doesn't matter, dude. Yeah, yeah, you're right. 
The only people that should have to wear suits are presidents, I think. Maybe. No, I think. And let's think. The president and uh, probably until we cut the heads off of all the companies, the CEOs and stuff, they got to wear the suits. But the rest of us shouldn't even have to be bothered with it. We shouldn't have to be bothered with their dress code. I bought my wife a shirt at the Sheer Mag concert the other night. And I was like, uh, you know, you're going to wear that? You know, like, are you ever going to wear that out? Because it's not like, it, it, it's not like your kind of thing. Well, yeah, I'm wearing one right now. So yeah. it's, it would be hard to wear to work for like a casual Friday yeah. or something. It's covered in like snakes and skulls and weapons. Well, she said you're not allowed to wear graphic tees at work because they're afraid it'll people start wearing union shirts. Yeah, before, yeah. Which is, that is heard so that. Weird. Who would do that? I've heard that a million times. But what would that do, dude? Do you see a shirt? Do you ever see a shirt and be like, I got to get a, on a part of that thing? Do you like read somebody's shirt and be like, oh man, you know. How awesome would it be though if you made a custom shirt that said <laughs> sign union cards? <laughs> it would be cool. I'm not saying it's not cool. We should make a collared shirt. We should make like a nice collared shirt that says join the union all over it and then they end with button up yeah and everything like, and like do it in like a style that like in like maybe little pinstripes that just say join the union down the whole thing like micro writing yeah and I no like one that. can say a fucking word to you because you're dressed under the yeah. dress code and your shirt still says join the union all right we're getting the clothing business <laughs> We're in the we're the disruptive clothing business. Well, it just seems stupid. Like, I I just like I guess like people wear street fight shirts, right? Like we have enough that are out and, and yeah. they're out there. Yeah. And I just don't think that anybody, I don't think anybody looks at the back of the shirt and says, "What street fight radio?" I I need to look that up and then looks it up and then subscribes to the podcast and then listens to it and becomes a fan. Which is the same thing I think about, like, if somebody wore a union shirt to work at a place that's not union, I just don't know if, like, anybody would be like, oh, like, you know, earlier today, it occurred to me after seeing a t-shirt that said join the union on it, that I should join a union and then starting a union. Like, it seems like so, like, such it's catastrophic not thinking. It's not catastrophic. It's, it's targeted. Like it, it is targeted. It is. I mean, like it, it would be smart. It would. It is a smart tactic. I still think it's a good tactic. I think they're right in shutting it down because I think it could work. Like that. 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 Like if, if you one knew person wore it and then another person wore it and then you started seeing more people wearing it and you realize, oh shit, all these people are down. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Let's make join the union shirts. Yeah. We could maybe do it in pig Latin or something. So one J the union. <laughs> yeah, union's not a good pig Latin. Either. Yeah, yeah, that's the problem with pig Latin. Right, it starts with a vowel. You're fucked. Yeah. But it's yeah, it's funny. And it's oing J the union union yay. Yeah, yeah. I went and played bingo this weekend. Bingo. First time I ever played bingo in my life uh, in town. Yeah, I was at a carnival. There's a carnival oh, across the street from my it. house that I go to every year. It is my chance to go check out the local carnies, go around and look at their booths, see what they're doing. Did not play any games. Was infuriated by one of the games, though. The balloon dart game, right? Right. Easiest of all the games. And Sometimes. I think it is. I think it's undoubtedly 
the least riggable of all the games. Yeah, I mean, it's just a setup. I mean, you got to buy, you got to win like 10 small prizes to get one medium and then right. five mediums to get one large. Right. That's what it said. For the extra large prize, the only way you could win the extra large prize was to pop two balloons, but you also had to pay $40 to play. Oh. <laughs> What? I know. So you give the man $40, and then if you don't hit the two balloons, you still don't win the fucking thing. That, wow, they've really just fucked up that whole system. You know, I've missed the balloons before in my life. I would never do that. Like, I'm a gambling man these days, of course. Everybody knows I love gambling now. But I would not bet that because I, I don't know. It's well, actually, I probably would bet that. But what do you, you're going to win a five dollar stuffed the, animal. That's the thing. If they fucking gave you money, these. I mean, it's just that's stupid. It's just like that pay. It's just like the rich people can just pay to get their kid a prize anymore. I know. You know, it's not like somebody going in there with five dollars in a dream. You know. Yeah, there is a cool thing. Before I get to bingo, there is a cool thing at this carnival that kills me. That like makes me laugh every time. The school gives away prizes. So they there's the carny games for the real carnies with all the carny stuff, right? You, you Blow up hammers, your jerseys, your minions, your stuffed animals, Budweiser what, mirrors, Budweiser mirror. Well, no, they don't do. That. I know. Why don't they do Budweiser? I don't know. I, I got another too little. many people got slashed on that glass, dude. I that know. glass would cut you anymore? open. Or the framed pictures? Do they do the framed cardboard frame pictures? I hope they do the mirrors still. Truthfully, yeah, the I wouldn't board around. But anyway, uh, the the school plays game. And their prizes for their games are all two liters of pop, right? And these fucking kids, when they win, nobody's more excited than a, than a seven-year-old with a two-liter of root beer. And I, like, saw them running around with it. And I was like, oh, man, I remember how excited I was when I figured out you could get a fucking... <laughs> two liter of root beer and and like i i like how excited i was that it was as cheap as getting a 20 ounce and that you could walk around and just ah you yeah. know yeah these kids are so amped so it's weird it's cheap it's probably not i wouldn't, I wouldn't do be handing that yeah out. it's very surprising in my school district yeah but we've talked about they don't even drink pop I, I remember we at a recent birthday party we watched someone give away about forty eight cans of pop because nobody they just it was like uh, they kept getting passed down from party to party and they couldn't get rid of it. I mean, what are you gonna do? Not gonna drink it. I, I know. Mean, I dump if you leave pop in my house, I just dump it down the sink. You can't like. There's no amount of drinking it that can have like. It's just I have them at my house because I have one a day, right? So right. they'll last twelve days or whatever, and. That's fine. But like, yeah, having kids around on it. Yeah. Like nobody's drinking pop for sustenance anymore. That those days are over. Yeah. Like uh, those days ended about five years ago, maybe six years ago, I think, where people were just like, oh, I just, I just, you know, I survive on Coke all day, which is, I did know people yeah. growing up. They drank Coke from the time they got up to the time they went to bed. Always made sure they had it in there. Always made sure they had some. Yeah. Or like Mountain Dew. I did Mountain Dew for a period. Whereas just like Mountain Dew from the time I got up to the time I went to bed. Never water. But now it's like seltzer water. You just got to have a bunch of seltzer water. I yeah. Think. That's what all anybody wants. Get someone pop. Uh, they're probably going to do like stupid videos where they like flip it over and it like lands standing up oh, or yeah, something. Yeah, that's yeah. what they, that's well, what they're mentos, excited they're about. Gonna shoot they're going to do a, in their butts. Yeah. 
They can do Mentos stuff. Videos, Mentos in the butt, like where they put the Mento in it. Oh, like a bidet? Over it. Yeah, it's so stupid. Oh, but man. Kids rule, though. You know, like it's just, hey. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I got over to the bingo tent, and uh, it was the only gambling they had there. It was really the only adult game they had there. It's like, I'm going to go play bingo. What the hell? You know? And uh, 50 cents a card. Okay. I bought four. I bought four for my wife. And uh, the prize was $45. Okay. That's good buying. That's what you're looking at. Yeah. $45 yeah. plus a meal. But it's a meal at the carnival. It's not. Oh, like no. That's okay. So that doesn't count. Yeah. That's what I was saying. I was like, I'll just throw the fucking meal away. Yeah. Like, I don't need this fucking meal. You know? $45 for $2. I'm taking it. Yeah. You know? And uh, we lost the first game, and it pissed me off. I, like, hated the person who won. I was so mad. Because I was so convinced I was going to win. Yeah, yeah, Like, that's yeah, why yeah. I played. I got in there, because I was like, yeah, you're going to win this this bingo, and you're going to get an extra $45. You're going to be great. So, did you uh, say it out loud? I did to Katie, yeah. Okay, I was okay. sitting next to Katie, and I was just like, we're going to, 45 bucks, man. Like, we could win $45, take it over to the casino, double that $45. This seems... Two to 90. Yeah. $2. You start at $2, you end up with $90. That's a big, like... That's a big come up for a guy like me. You know? And, um... So, uh... We lose. And then they start selling cards again. These times the cards are for a dollar. I buy four again. Four for each of us. Okay. I'm like, we gotta win this one. We're in this thing for $10 right now. This is crazy, okay? Or ten or twelve dollars, right? I'm like, we gotta win. We're down twelve, you know. And the guy keeps saying it's for a good cause, and I'm like, I don't care if it's for a good cause. If I'm being honest, and after the one dollar buy-in, the prize was still forty-five dollars. Oh, at a combo dinner, and it was just like, okay, like <laughs> handing out the same like prize for fifty cents that you are for a dollar. That seems wrong. Uh, lost again. Came yeah. very close the second time, but uh, lost again. Got up disgusted and left the fucking carnival. I was so mad that uh, I gotta stop gambling. Yeah, you I should. Just can't do it. It's I'm not just good not for you. It. Yeah, yeah. It's, just, it's supposed to be a fun thing it's to not. do. <laughs> I was getting so mad at the guy for telling jokes and not being clear about what the numbers were because he kept talking about balls. Oh, balls. Oh, it's a blue ball. Blue balls. And he's like having a good time with it and stuff. And I was just like, oh, I hate this. Yeah. Come on, guy. Take this seriously. This is bingo. Yeah. This is real money. There's money on the line. On the right line. Now. And I need you to stand up there and read this. I went, oh. you, could you put on like a tuxedo and get a cummerbund or something? He was wearing you... a kilt and a Tokyo Police Club t shirt. Wow. So that was uh that was my bingo time. I lost two times, didn't win a damn thing. Uh, all the parents were drunk in the room. Like everybody was drunk. It's just we talked about this on the show last week, but it's just you're in this. If you're in like the suburbs or even like what they call like my neighborhood, like a, a suburb, like an urban enclave sort of thing. And uh, boy, they are just allowed to drink. They are just allowed. To, they just get away with anything. Yeah. Man. I mean, they get away with so much stuff that the cops would hit you with the stick for in another neighborhood. This <laughs> is like ridiculous, ridiculous to me. Yeah. These fucking moms are dancing sexy at the goddamn carnival. At the yeah. kids' carnival to raise money for the damn school. And I'm just sitting there like, this is fucking 
fucking crazy. Yeah. Like, I can't even believe they let them fucking sell alcohol here. Like, they were just letting them sell alcohol. And then they had a fence between the rides and the alcohol. And you just had to stay on the alcohol side. You yeah. Take yeah. the alcohol through the fence. That's smart. I don't know. I mean, you let them ride a ride. But the parents don't ride rides anyway. They yeah. No one's going to ride a breaking. Sitting there watching the guys do like, uh, sitting there watching the bands, like the cover band or like the originals bands, which is like, don't, I don't like to tell people not to follow their dream or their heart or like do their art, you know? But if you're playing like a very public event that is like not your concert, it's got to be covered. Yeah, I would just go out there and throw a crazy good show. The best I show I could possibly do. <laughs> I know. That would make them happy, not me happy. I know. I know. This is a guy just doing acoustic songs, like his oh, own no. songs for like an hour. And it's like, I was like kind of admiring him a little bit because it was like, damn, how great would it be to like not have to have the audience paying attention to you? For your performance that like your performance doesn't hinge on the audience paying attention to you. Right. Like it's kind of jealous at the idea of a performance where the audience could like be totally disconnected from it, like eating, <laughs> like talking to each other, but you're still up there doing your thing. I was like, oh, cause when we do that, when that's happened to us in the past, like say when we, we did that, that, uh, fundraiser over in in columbus when we did that oh, fundraiser yeah. and nobody liked us it's just you're standing there and you're talking and it it's like talking to a wall and it's like so, it's so embarrassing and uncomfortable but i can't imagine it's like that if you got a guitar that's been a thing i've noticed this week because i went to a concert too i went to see sheer mag and i was like feeling bad for him it's like they gotta stand on stage they gotta like lug stuff up first they gotta carry their stuff on stage yeah and then they have to take it out of the case send it all and then they have to tune the guitar and then they have to stand there and wait until they turn the house music off and then they can start playing it's not like they can't do an entrance or any of that stuff i get some of these like you know, indie, in, more yeah. indie shows. And it's just like, oh, I feel bad for them. Like, that is like so much work. Why didn't you, did you ever think of maybe like just doing a podcast and just talking to the audience? Yeah, we can't all be podcasters. If it seems easier is what I'm saying. Like what we do seems easier than like what Sheer Mag does, you know? Although know. they get to do the same thing every night. It's just a, like a trade, you know? Yeah. I mean, we have mutual respect. I do have mutual respect. I, I wish I was in a rock band. Really, a guy did offer me not too long ago that he would put together a hardcore band and let me sing in it. And uh, I said I would do it, but then he disappeared. Oh, I would sing in a hardcore. If you're out there and you have a hardcore band and you want me to come and just sing songs, I'll fucking sing songs in a hardcore band. Like, it's my dream. I always want to be a lead singer. Why not? You know, you don't have to be like a good singer to do it, do you? No, I don't think so. I'm passionate. Yeah. You just. Sing about like whatever, you know. Like, you can write the songs even. Songs about whatever. The Brian Quimby well, hardcore album. Like I did a Covers? cover. I did no. a cover of Disarm by Smashing Pumpkins. No one wants to be in your band, dude. Oh, uh, I bet people would be in my band. No one wants to hear you do an Eddie Vedder hardcore song. No, I'm gonna s- scream them. Right. Like I'm gonna do. No, I understand like, the hardcore that. I understand that. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, if you're out there. And you want to do a hardcore band and I'm coming to your town and you want me to come in and just sing for you? I'll do it. I don't fucking care. You might as well say like, oh, I'm a painter now and then just 
paint a picture of Mickey Mouse. But I'm not that. <laughs> I'm not that. I just, I'm, it's like fantasy camp. You know, I said this about uh, the, the Significant Other album. Like, Fred Durst does a song with Method Man on that album. And he does a song with Scott Weiland on that album. And I was like, this is just rock and roll fantasy camp. Like, I want to do rock and roll fantasy camp. I just don't want to go to the real rock and roll fantasy camp because it seems depressing. Okay. Okay. We got callers? Yeah, we got a couple. Let's get these callers on the line. You want me to tweet the number? You could, unless you don't want to stay for a while. I mean, I like talking. I like being laid back about it, but I can tweet the number. And yeah, I think we'll just take these calls and then see what happens later. Okay. You know? Uh, thanks for calling Street Fight. Who are we talking to tonight? Hey, this is Ben. What's up, Ben? How are you tonight? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, pretty good. What's going on? Where are you at? I'm calling from Kentucky. All um, right. I've been thinking about calling for a while because I wanted to talk about a shitty job that I haven't heard you guys mention. Okay, okay. Here's the thing. I have. What is the job first? Let's hear the job. Uh, it's working for a nonprofit. Oh, shit. We have, here's the thing about that. We have heard at live shows, people will come up to us and talk to us about working at a nonprofit quite a bit. I think, I don't think we do too much of it on the show. We did have someone that called in, I feel, I yeah, a long time ago. Long time ago. Person calling, but that was like a very yeah. specific problem to them. Like it was their drunk boss was sleeping at their house. Oh, no. Nice. That's not the one I was thinking of. Oh, okay. So, uh, oh, yeah. That was like, yeah. That was a different one. <laughs> so, what's up? What, I mean, uh, what, what, what kind of things were bad about it? Well, I'm a social worker. Um, and so I first started out working at a small faith based nonprofit. Um, and uh, the, it wasn't my job that was the shittiest. There's like bad things about nonprofits generally, just like, you know, low income all that kind of stuff they just pay garbage they take advantage um, of your passion and you're because you want to help people absolutely. they t absolutely take advantage and they'll of tell you. you that yeah they'll tell you that when you ask for a raise too they'll be like well think about all the other benefits that you get working here what's the you know, benefit nonprofit can i ask you they say like <laughs> yeah like good co-workers and everybody's there for the mission and the mission and the mission and they just keep saying the mission it's, they, part, it's like, better you're not you're not working for an evil company you're not like you know propping yeah. up a bad company you're fighting the good fight for they're, your job so you should yeah. just be grateful they're saying your benefits are that you get to lay your head on your pillow at the end of the night <laughs> and know that you're doing a nice thing but your pillow is yeah. like made yeah. out of bricks or something because you can't afford an actual pillow <laughs> yeah the same pillow that you had in middle school that you brought with you to college and then to your job. Yeah. Yeah. You're like sleeping in like a studio apartment. Your bed, you have to put your bed back up in the wall when you get up. But, you know, you're doing all the right stuff. Social work is an interesting job to me because it was something that I was going to do. Like, uh, very close. It's, good. it's a good feel. Yeah, I was very close to getting in that field before Street Fight hit. And then uh, it did. The the vibes I got from job interviews that I did really were that like these that you're being taken advantage of because. Yeah, yeah, because you're passionate about helping people and you want to help people and they they know you want to do the right thing. But like every job I applied for was making like eleven dollars an hour or like. Oh, yeah. Ten. Yeah. And it was just like no benefits yep. and on call 24 hours a day, every two weeks. Yep. 
And it was just like, well, this, I want to help people, but like, this is more than I want to help. (laughs) I I do want to help. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I've been thinking a lot lately about, about like, are there things that me and Brett can do or that I can do that is like sort of, you know, helping kids learn how to do comedy or something like that, that I can do that I can do on my own hours. Because like, it seems like the hours, it seems like the hours that a lot of you get at, uh, at like nonprofits or as social workers are are pretty brutal. Yeah. It's terrible. You just on call all the time. Yeah. I was the one therapist for 22 kids in a residential program. And so if something went wrong, I got called all the time. Like how hard is how hard is that workload? Like for, for twenty two kids dealing with twenty two yeah. kids. So for, yeah, it's like you you're doing an hour of therapy with each kid and then a group. Um, so that's like twenty three hours of your week right there, of your forty hour week theoretically is just bam filled automatically, and then whatever paperwork you have to do, any crisis situation that comes up, um, you know all that kind of stuff. And so it just like your week just builds and builds and builds very, very quickly. Is it, uh, and, and you get time and a half for your overtime or is it salary? It was salary. Oh, fuck. And salary, the biggest so scam. Doing like 60 hour work week, you know? Oh my God. Cause you get a crisis situation that can land for hours and hours. And you got like a 14 year old with severe mental health issues, you know? Oh yeah. Um, and, and you're you not, and and they know that you're not just going to leave them to their own devices. Like they know that it's yeah. impossible to, to kind of, it, it's impossible to, to separate yourself from that kind of thing. And absolutely. Cause yeah, you love the kids. You're not going to leave, you know? Yeah. It's hard not to like, I mean, it's as much as we make fun of teens and stuff on the show, like they're, they're fully formed people and it's hard not yeah. to like them, you know? <laughs> Yeah, as much as, as but really, I was just gonna say, really, my job wasn't even the worst one. Like, because so it's a residential program, which means the kids live there; they're in state custody, and they got all these behavioral issues and mental health issues. Um, and one thing that I really want people to know about, like these kids that are like the most vulnerable kids, um, is that they are being raised and cared for by McDonald's workers. Um, because like the frontline staff, the people who actually work with the kids and work 12 hour shifts and are with them all day and all night um, are getting paid nine or ten dollars an hour Fuck. to care for these kids. Fuck. There was a, I, and to get spit on and kicked and cussed out constantly and keep these kids on schedule and help them do school. And like it, they're getting paid nine or ten dollars an hour. Fuck, so, man. you know. They can leave at any time and go work at Chick-fil-A and make 13 bucks an hour. Right. <laughs> Right. And yeah, that's passion. awful. Yeah. Yeah, that's not the people that should be in charge of kids like that at all. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know about It's weird when you start talking about dealing with troubled kids, right? Cuz I do think that there are people that hold jobs like that. Like for instance, I think I could deal with oh, troubled kids. Yeah, they are teens. fantastic yeah. people. Yeah, but I feel they, like but I it's could, not and, standard. Yeah. I mean, most people have pretty yeah. bad instincts when it comes to raising kid and and get, turning a kid around. Right, but I'm saying that like yeah, like I, that's who we're competing with though is like fast food restaurants for these mm-hmm. employees. We're you know yeah. like 
I'm saying that like yeah. I guess I guess what I'm saying is I think there are people that don't have a degree that could really for sure help but not uh, enough that you should just throw you should just throw anybody that can fill out a resume at these kids i agree i agree it's not a high enough number the job is worth more than ten dollars an hour for sure that's just i mean all jobs are worth all jobs are worth more than ten dollars an hour but this seems like one of those jobs that if you went and told people that people are making if you went and asked people what you think that the people are making at those places they would say a hundred thousand dollars a year probably just that's what cops make. That's what uh, uh, yeah. prison guards make. That's yeah. what uh, people that work at hospitals make. They're ninety thousand dollars a year yeah. or something like that. Yeah. And when you find out that they're making minimum wage, it is pretty shocking. You know, I know yeah. somebody that yeah. worked at um, I I know somebody that worked at a, a juvenile detention center, and uh, had to quit because she was just like racked with guilt about the whole thing and couldn't mm-hmm. work there anymore. And she's like, they're not helping these kids. They're not rehabilitating these kids. They're just warehousing these kids. Yeah. And a lot of times it sounds yeah. like a lot of times it sounds like when, when you run into troubled kids, uh, they just throw them in a facility and they institutionalize them and, and hope that they yep. uh, hope that they find their way when they turned 18, you know, it just kick them out on their ass when they turn 18 and hope they find their way. Yeah. You know, or make money off jailing yeah. them. Uh, but, Yep. We actually, I was th- I was was remembering. Uh, I talked to with Lubitsa from the uh, Cold Party or Cold Pizza Party podcast. She was doing a fundraising nonprofit stuff, so they they got her to come all the way to DC and then changed her job drastically six months later, and she was stuck there. Um, but she said it was constantly just fundraising was all they ended up doing was like, it was like, all right, we got a big fundraiser coming up. Everybody <laughs> needs to work real hard on this fundraiser. And then it was over. It was like time to plan the next fundraiser. So it's like party organizer. Yeah. She said it was, yeah, you know, st- nonprofits are funded. Yeah. Yeah. Startup just culture. Constantly fundraising and, yeah. Just angel investing. They would like the whole time thing. Yeah. We'd have like our kids. And so they live, you know, on the site for, you know, six months to a year that they're there. Right. It's just, it's their home. Um, and then they do like a big fundraiser and we'd have to, they give us like 500 bucks to take the kids and like go see a movie and get dinner so that we weren't there so that they could bring in all the donors and like clean the place up so that people could see, like, look at all, what oh, all wow. your money is going to, but they never wanted them interacting with the kids. Right. 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 They just the fantasy. They want to be told what's happening. Yeah. You know, and in here the kids yeah. are doing this and that. And, you know, they're yeah. oh, that is so bad. I mean, there it is such an unrestricted environment. I mean, you saw what happened with this whole Chicago uh charity that, you know, Jay Z directed all that money towards and like the horrible conditions yeah. that they that they operate under. Um and yeah, I mean people don't know what's going on at all with this stuff. Yeah. And the refugee camps too, like I know like the funding for them, they're talking about all their money that they're spending on that. And like, I know how much we get per diem for our kids, you know, we get a rate per kid and all that. And it's so much more than what they're allotting for those refugee camps. Wow. So I, I understand like the conditions, you know? Right. Right. <laughs> like, you can, yeah. You know, wow. That is, that is really fucking tough. That's awful. Well, thanks for calling in with that info. That's a lot to think about. Yeah. Have a great night. Have a good show. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It is. It is weird. 
Well, it's not weird, actually. It is that this. It is that the country, the the cities, the states that we live in, they don't care about like bad kids, basically. Like it's, and they're not bad kids. I'm not saying bad kids, right? Like I don't, I don't want people to take this as that. Like I think bad that there are kids that are born bad that are bad, you know. But I was like a bad kid. I wasn't what born they call bad. them. It yeah. is the common. That's what people call them. Yeah. The and, and like uh I I saw I saw like juvenile detention and I saw group homes like destroy people. With, yeah. When I was growing up, just people that got sent away and came back and it's like you know, we really have to send like did we really have to send this guy away because he stole somebody he like broke into somebody's house and stole like their Nintendo or something yeah. and like do we really got to send this guy away for a year for that? Like he's fucking 13 yeah i don't think he even has a concept of what time in jail is what a year is yeah we lived through 13 of them you know and like everybody i know that i don't know anybody that went to juvenile detention growing up that's still alive or not in jail you know yeah which shows that it doesn't do anything right (laughs) it's not the answer yeah it's not i mean kids don't need to get i mean like i did see on bernie sanders things that on his criminal justice reform like the main thing that i saw in there that i really liked was that no more trying children as adults like if they're minors they're minors you try them as minors you do not try them as adults which is to me i i think that's re i i mean i don't even care if you're fucking 17 you can't be tried as an adult i just saw a story yesterday from dateline on my feed of this guy that got thrown in jail when he was 17 and he in 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 1953 he got into a fight with a guy in jail and he killed him self defense or you know or he's in a fight it doesn't fucking matter how it happened or whatever but he spent the time from when he was 17 to 80 he's 83 now he's the longest serving prisoner in the United States and like there are so many people that have been in prison since they were 15, 16, 17 years old that aren't probably even going to get out. And we're not, we don't do anything. Like we can't, it feels so hard to like even think about how to get them out of there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, and try to change it and see how bad people get about it. I mean, folks don't want to spend any money on this. They're not looking to do anything besides Keep the status quo going. Right. And I'm we, I, we aren't it's, it's very hard to make big changes in this manner because even there there aren't any candidates that are talking about it that aren't just, you know, the the Hail Mary candidates that aren't going to win, you know? Right. I mean, yeah. Bernie Sanders is leading right now. Okay. But it is also a thing of like he's still he's playing but he's playing whose game? The Democrats game. Right. He's playing their game. And it is one of those things that's like uh is he going to be able to do anything about mass incarceration? Do, does anybody? I hope. Well, I, I hope mean, the president can do stuff about that. I know they can lock extra people up. We know that. I do know that the president can be like, "Don't prosecute people for shit." You know what I mean? Like, let's cut the shit with the prosecuting. <laughs> but I don't know, man. It feels like an. Uh, I, I hope I'm using this word, but like an intractable problem. It feels like a problem that is like. Uh, it has been created. It's so big now, but it uh, it also feels like we have to. It is. It feels like no. We have to. We have to let like a ton of people out of prison. As well. Yeah, a lot. It's like a yeah. lot of them. Like well, most of the people in prison. Pretty much all of them. Yeah. We have to let them out. 
I don't know if there is anybody that should get a life sentence. I don't know. Like, I don't have in my mind, like, I, I can't imagine that we have a system or I can't imagine that in my world, in my ideal world, we wouldn't have a system that could rehabilitate and redirect somebody to something else that's not crime. And again, we've talked about this. We talked about this last week on the show. Like most crime is like desperation. Yeah. You know, most most carjackings even are desperation. Yeah. And that's what people are freaked out about. That's the shit you're freaked out about. You're freaked out about that stuff. There's a way to fix it. Yeah. Like get rid of desperation, right. which is pretty easy if everybody's taken care of. You yeah, know? go to the neighborhood and uh, fix people's roads. <laughs> How about you go to the crime neighborhoods and provide the services that you provide to every other fucking neighborhood, you know? Right. All they ever do, the only construction or civic projects they do in neighborhoods with high crimes is, like, install those cameras on yeah. the light poles. That's yeah. it. That's the only thing. They, they put up do. little blue and red lights that blink all night long. Yeah. They're not going to go out there and, like, actually do anything. You know, or, or like, I, and I don't want the police running around in there anyway, because they don't do anything right. Yeah, no, there's not, there's no real, um, then there's really no, uh, there's no desire to, to alleviate the issue. I mean, no. there's enough people that make money with the way things are. They don't want to try. They wouldn't want to alleviate someone's poverty, um, because it would just take a lot more effort than going with the flow and cash and checks like they do. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, you know. It's weird to think about because it is like we are just warehousing people that probably the only reason we're warehousing them is because they don't have money. The st yeah, money. Yeah. And they're being warehoused because they don't know what else to fucking do with. Them. Yeah. And they just throw them in prison. And there are just so many people. I'm not. I don't think that I don't think that the the majority of people who commit crimes, like even violent crimes are like unfixable and i don't also don't think that they're doing it for fun or kicks or i don't yeah. think there's very many people that do things like that for kicks yeah i mean it's a transitional period for sure there's some now that i i don't mind if they get uh fucking put down but um <laughs> uh, but let's see who's on the phone next here thanks for calling street fight who are we talking to him Hey, what's going on? This is uh, Bobby in Maryland. What's up, Bobby? How's it going tonight? How's everything in Maryland? Uh, things things are all right. Um, I, I did get out of like an all day long uh, education thing for like uh, young Filipino Americans trying to get them like radicalized and stuff. So that was like my whole day. What was um, it? What, what of, like reaching out? What kind of stuff were you oh, doing? Sorry, like what kind of stuff was was it like? Uh... Was it, were they like, like teens or, or like, what was the, uh, what was the some meeting? Of, some of them, it was like a mix of like, you know, some teens, some like college age folks, some grad students, and also some elders who were there. And, uh, like this, with the stated goal, like me and my friends, um, the Tagalog word for comrade is Kasama. So me and my Kasama is kind of like being like, Hey, I know a lot of you are involved with causes here in the States, progressive causes, things like Black Lives Matter, LGBTQ rights. Medicare for all and stuff. Let's do an education about what things are like for our people back home and how things relate to the way things are in the U.S. and things like that. So that was like my whole day. Okay. What we, what we is like in the morning? Went to like four. Okay. Okay. How how do you think it went? Like what? How do you think? Uh, how do you think the people responded to what you were uh, 
what you were saying. Um, you know, I think they, they really took it to heart. It was like a good educational session. It seems like they learned a lot. Um, even some of like the elders that we were talking to, a lot of it was like some of them who were raised in the Philippines were covering topics like in history and current day where they're kind of like, you know what, being for real, they didn't teach me that in school. Yeah. Kind of like, you know, they never taught me this. Like the, cause a lot of the thing is the public education system that was set up in the Philippines was originally made by the United States when they colonized the, the Philippines. So everything in the education system is very pro us. So that's like the sort of system that they grew up in. It's um, kind of like ours. US is how we should. Yeah, yeah. But like, <laughs> sort of like this whole like foreign country is telling you through the education system how great their country is and how you should be more like them. Yeah. And sort of like breaking that spell out of their mind. You yeah. Know I, mean? I mean, it's hard enough to do it here, right? Like it, it is hard yeah, enough yeah. to, to uh, figure out how to talk people into uh, maybe not believing everything. Because I think like so many people get out of high school and if, you know, if they don't go to college, which I don't think everybody should have to go to college to find this out, I, I like that's not something I believe. But that people like uh, get out of high school here and they think that they've learned everything. Like that's they mm -hmm. learned history. Oh, I learned the history, and I'm kind of learning watching my daughter go through school. Like, man, you like really do learn like a narrow version of history. History is very short in, in high school in, in public school systems here. I can't imagine what they're doing in the Philippines. You know. In a place yeah, where I know we've like, done fucked up shit, too. Yeah. Especially, like, for example, like, my parents, like, when they went to school, starting around, like, when, they're, when they were five, the, the big thing when they start going to school is you speak English now in school. Like, once you become five. Okay. Um, and you don't speak any of your native languages because that's just sort of the idea is we want you to train you to be exported as cheap labor to the United States once you become high school age. You so, know what I mean? Oh my God! Like my yeah, parents were just fortunate enough to go to go to college. Yeah, my parents did go to college, which was fortunate for them. But for other Philippines, it's kind of like once you get to sixteen, seventeen in the public school system, it's kind of like, hey, um, we're not teaching you general ed anymore. Now we're teaching you how to be a domestic worker, or we're teaching you how to do like automotive work or whatever, so that you can go to the states and send money home because you speak English already. Um, and like these contract companies sort of prey on poor Filipinos. It's, it's a whole mess. <laughs> Without getting into that, I, I could be here talking for hours, and I don't really want to do that. <laughs> no, I mean, no, that's incredibly, it's, it's incredibly interesting. I mean, I'm definitely illuminating yeah. for me, so I appreciate sharing that. Right, I'm pretty interested yeah. in how other other countries or other cultures are are learning about history, or or especially the places that we've done like imperialism to, like places that that we uh we we colonized or whatever. It's like uh. Uh, so do they get like, and, and so I'll, I'll ask this in, in America, in, in the school district I grew up in for the kids, uh, me being one of them actually for the kids who, uh, weren't able to, um, I'm trying to think for the kids that, that weren't able to fit in or that maybe weren't great at, uh, were who maybe weren't great at at doing school. You know what I mean? They would send them to yeah, something yeah. called OWE and they would go work at McDonald's or as a janitor in the high school or something like that. Like that's what they're, they would just go do that as their job. And, uh, half of the day at school, half the day there would, is that kind of what goes on? Is it like, 
if you're in public school there and you're you're not like a rich person, you basically get to 15 or 16 and they're like, go get a job now. Like you're going to just go. Well, to work. I mean, well, for people who are like sort of like in the poor circumstances at a certain point, they're just not in school anymore. Like they're either being um, forced into low paying contract work in the cities or they're working out in the out in the countryside. Because the thing is with. Uh, how it works in the Philippines, like when you're talking about the proletariat there, you have workers in the cities, but you also have a class of landless peasants, which like, you know, when you're getting into like Marxist uh, analysis, like landless peasants are different from the working class proletariat because of the level of development they have. So you have like large swaths of people who are not allowed to own any land, but they work that land. And they're sort of kept in this cycle of perpetual poverty, part, partially because they refuse to update any sort of like farming equipment. The Philippines still farms using carabao to pull plows, so like water buffalo. They don't use tractors or anything like that. Um, this makes it so that, you know, um, poor peasants don't have time to read. They don't have time to organize amongst themselves, even though they are able to organize. There's organizing going on. It's just that it eats up more of their time. Um, spent like doing more manual labor because like for example like the philippines is like the number eight rice producer in the world and rice is a very like labor intensive crop like you have to do a lot of it by hand even if you have machinery but the labor saving part like when you're preparing the land for it can be done with machines but they still make them use water buffalo in their bare hands to do it wow um, and then of course the, like the peasants don't own the land they farm it's a land owner that owns it so they're not even able to keep what they make in most cases. Jeez. That sounds like a, a, a great, like that sounds like the feudal system almost. Yeah. What we call it, the way we, we talk about it, we call the Philippines, the, the, the character of the Philippines is semi-colonial, semi-feudal. Okay. how we talk about it. So semi-colonial because it's not officially a colony of the U.S. anymore, but it's still dependent on the U.S. for, um, you know, for, for uh, economic assistance and military assistance in one sense, and then semi-feudal because they still have a class of landless peasants even though formally um, the landed gentry is gone. Even though a lot of the rich landowners who own the, like, the large haciendas in the Philippines, uh, some of them are the people who were granted haciendas during the Spanish time, okay. like 500 years ago. Whew. And it's the same families that own this land, you know? Yeah, it's but, I mean that's that is that I'll say this. That's a capitalism because we have that here. I mean there are yep, people that were yeah. just granted land because they happen to be around and were able to just take it. You know, they they just took a bunch yeah. of land and now they're you know, rich and they have shit. Yeah. Well, but but the cool thing about the curriculum that we teach is like it's a very good like basic curriculum for people, like a crash course and it's the same curriculum that organizers in the Philippines teach to the landless peasants who can't read. It's just they use it, they use it using pictures. They go out into the provinces and they set up a whiteboard, draw pictures, and they explain to landless peasants like the concepts of cap capitalism, Marxism, and stuff. So Because they're not stupid, right? No. They have a lived experience and they can comprehend these concepts. It's just that they can't read. So you can break it down and show it to them. So we're teaching the same curriculum they teach out in the countryside, just here in the state. Um, and, with PowerPoint and how do people how do people get involved with it? Like how, how do you how do how do you get people to take the class? Um, sort of like it's just sort of you know getting out there and recruiting people from different orgs. 
like you try to find where the Filipinos are at and also the sympathetic people and like say there's like a DSA meeting oh I met a Filipino guy because it's all white people except this one guy <laughs> or like you know hey uh, or like a lot of times a good place to find them is church you know oh, yeah. Filipinos congregate around Catholic churches a lot that's a good place to find them um you know schools things like that like certain schools have a large Filipino population like uh either like high school or like colleges usually will have like a Filipino club and you can sort of like the Filipino club won't do political education. They'll just be doing like dances and cultural stuff. So you kind of like wedge your way in there and be like, hey, <laughs> what's up? You want to talk about capitalism? And then kind of weasel your way in there. But it's pretty good. Um, before I go, I did want to tell a funny work story that's real quick, if that's all right. No, no that's yeah, great. please yeah, do. Go for it. Yeah. 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 So like for my day job, or I guess my night job, I'm, I'm an EMT for my normal job. And the funny thing about that is that I'm sober. Like I don't, I don't drink, I don't smoke anymore. Um, and because sober EMT is funny because all you run into is people who are high and drunk all the <laughs> right, time. Right. So, so like, I think it was like Friday night, um, ran into this patient. Um, we'll call her Becky to protect the innocent. Um, and uh, maybe like 19, 20 year old lady um, who like, essentially she ran out of a bar, like in front of a, in front of a bus. The bus stopped. She's fine. But she's just like running out in the street yelling at people. So we had to try to convince her to go to the hospital. Okay. Um, and, you know, she's like, I can't really get her information because she lost her wallet and her friends left her. And I'm just telling her, like, Becky, just please, for the love of God, just help me out. Just lay down in the stretcher. Please. <laughs> we can take you to the hospital. Because she's going to fall down and hit her face. Yeah. She's like stumbling everywhere. And Wait. I'm trying to get her to do it. And she goes, no. No. And I was like, Okay, Becky, why? And she goes, she goes calling me Evan. I don't know why. I didn't tell her my name was Evan. But she goes, because Evan, I, I feel, I feel that if I lay down there, then Jesus has me. It's over. <laughs> what? what are you talking about? So eventually we convince her to lay down and uh, we take her maybe like five minute ride to the hospital and she's just being drunk, saying drunk stuff. And when we get there and we get up to the to the emergency room, we get to the nurse's workstation. And then she just looks at all the nurses and the doctors and she leans over to me, sort of like cupping her hands like she's trying to whisper to me. No, no. And then she just goes, but she's being real loud. She goes, <laughs> Evan, everybody here is so old. <laughs> oh, my God. And like the nurse, the, the charge nurse is like, who the fuck is this person anyway the charge nurse wasn't amused i was because i was about to go home yeah you know, it was like one in the morning so the charge nurse just came on so she was upset um so that was that and then the the call after that was pretty funny and this is like a five second story if i can tell it but yeah no go for it called 911 and he had he had like one really red itchy eye and i asked him i was like dude uh so what's going on he's like i think i have pink eye and I just go, hey man, how do you how do you think you got pink eye? And he just yells, eating booty. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> and I'm laughing. The driver's laughing. We're all laughing. And that dude was actually real chill because he was high too. So we actually just kind of shot the shit for the five minutes took taking him to the hospital, telling stories. That's why. I mean that jo that job uh, yeah, is wash one your of the hands. ones that that's one of the jobs that's like. You know, I wouldn't mind if you didn't have to have if it was like driving around and dealing with drunk people. I think I'd be good at that. 
it's the it's the actual medical stuff that would then be the problem with me. But if it was just like if there was a job where you just like drove around and like mediated problems between drunk people, I've done that so much in my life. Like I'm probably like Malcolm Gladwell would consider me an expert in dealing with drunk people that want to kick each other's asses. Yeah. <laughs> Brian is California sober, so he doesn't drink. And like drinking is where people really do get out of their minds. So it's the worst. And you've put you've probably done ten thousand hours of mediating drunk conversations at this point. Right. It just, oh, you've actually done ten thousand yeah. hours also of explaining logic to a drunk person. Oh my God. Yeah. I, oh yeah, I know yeah, I have done that. I mean it's it's like you talk to it, they're so difficult to talk to but i have found that you can get them they're agreeable at, you can make them be agreeable yeah if, you have to charm them it's like a snake charming it thing is, it's not it's not charm it is here's what it is and i i hate to give my secret away but it's kind of like this you're like well you're drunk right right now and you're obviously not in your right mind you're you're like Let's oh, I hate you here. already. I You're hate you already. Stupid. And uh, let me explain something to you. And then you think about it tomorrow when you're sober. And then a lot of times they'll like cool down a minute and be like, yeah, I get it, man. I, okay. And then you can talk to them. But it generally. So you just basically meet them right there and say, hey, you're you're fucked up right now. You're like I way try, too yeah, fucked up. I mean, if you don't tell people that, if you don't talk to people. like Yeah. Uh, uh, like if you try to talk to somebody that's drunk. And then not acknowledge that they're drunk, you're not going to get anywhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, they're just impossible to deal with. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I've done a lot of time also just standing in the middle of the street with a guy with his shirt off, like holding on to him so he doesn't go punch somebody else at the park. Sure. <laughs> you know? And that's all they need is someone to hold him back so they don't really have to do it. I know. <laughs> well, thanks for calling in. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for thanks for talking to me. Good. Keep up the good work. I love the show. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I mean, I I I think when when you're dealing with a super drunk person in public, there's more problems than when you're just like at a house party or something like that, or you're just hanging out with people. But I think I could do it. I okay. think like if okay, we're if, gonna go. We're gonna jump in the minivan. I'll keep the doors open on the side and we'll drive down high street and you'll just jump out and just start helping people and just I don't know, start mediating problems. Like I've, here's the thing I have like been like, I'll, I'll get donuts on high street and the donut shops on campus uh, or, you know, just anytime I happen to have to go to campus for something at night on the weekend. And it is, it is like a lot of, people yelling at each other yeah <laughs> like there's a lot of problems happening and people arguing and yelling at each other and then separating and getting back together and breaking up and you know falling in love and stuff like that it's just like this seems like you know i don't like respect the I, police but i don't know how they stand out there all night and watch <laughs> um I one time shut down a fight. There was a super drunk guy at this bar, and they just were like, became one of those Tasmanian devil balls of like expletives. 
and I just got in the middle of the whole thing. But when we got outside, the guy was so drunk that he could like barely stand up. And it was like this super huge dude that was like mad at him about something he said. And I said something to the effect of like, everybody knows you can kick this stupid guy's ass. You don't need to do it. Please don't get the cops around here. He's like, that's fucking right. That is fucking right. And he walked inside. And I was like, thank God. This didn't turn into a, I didn't want to, because this kid was so pathetic. It was just some stupid mouthy kid and would have just he would have just got completely clobbered by this dude yeah yeah i mean yeah i agree i wouldn't have wanted to see him get clobbered no and i mean also, i'm like yeah like, don't stop to the tough guy's toughness is <laughs> that is a good well move. he's in charge because he would he could have beat me up too like i wasn't going to beat him off of the guy like yeah yeah, I mean, what would you have done if the fight, like, you were just going to step oh, away I usually, if the fight Oh, uh, no, I usually try to grab people, because they won't hit you if you try to take them off. Yeah. I've interjected myself in fights before. They don't usually go after the person that's trying to pull them off. Right, yeah, it's because unless you're part of the party. Unless that, you're, like, really like, fucked it, up. Well, I'm saying, like, because I've been in situations. Oh, yeah, I mean, you got to be a stranger. Yeah, you can't. You can't be, like, a friend of a friend. No, you're <laughs> catching you an elbow. Punched. Yeah, yeah, because I, I know that, like, I've been in situations where, like, I you're, I'm, I, 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 I'll never forget this. There's a Halloween party. Or, no, no, no. It was a St. Patrick's Day party, Okay. Everybody's just getting hammered in this garage. This is like a couple of years before I even knew you. And um, everybody's getting hammered. There's this guy there that is dressed like a leprechaun. And he looks ridiculous. And he hated that another guy showed up that was his girlfriend at the time's ex-boyfriend. And it was just like, hey, man, we had told him earlier in the night, like, this guy might show up. You know, are you cool with that? And he was like, yeah, I, I don't care. You know, whatever. If he wants to show up, he can show up. And then he fucking got hammered and was sitting across the garage. And it was one of those fucking moments where you know something bad's going to happen, but it hasn't quite happened yet. Like there's like a, a there's a real thing that happens in yeah. a situation like this. Your brain there's starts a, putting it together. Right. There's a person on one side of the room and there's a person on the other side of the room. And then all of a sudden you hear a person that's not anywhere near that person saying, oh, I don't give a fuck what he thinks. You know, or, oh, I don't, fuck that guy. You know what I mean? And it's like, oh, no, he's talking about that guy. And that guy doesn't know that he's talking about him yet. Yeah. So then was got in a fight. But then, like, we had to stand in the street with this dude. He, like, took his shirt off. He kept lunging for the guy, right? And it was like, dude, just. Stop, you know, please. Stop, stop. And he would lunge, stop, lunge, stop. And then finally, like, some one of my friends just grabbed him around like a hug and locked his hands and had to stand there and talk to him like while he was in a hug with him like can you please like stop lunging at this guy the police are gonna fucking come here because we're out in the street yelling right now and somebody's definitely going to call and uh we were somehow able to get him to go in the house and go to bed and like that's the other thing like if i ever if you're ever dealing with a drunk person getting them to go to bed is the move dude I, we were outside old surly girl one time it was snowing out and i saw these two people fight there's like blood all over the snow and i jumped out of the car this dude was there was a guy on the ground he was on the ground he was about to boot this dude's fucking head off yeah and i jumped in and i gave him the bear hug and like 
I was very small at the time, but it was, thank God it was slippery and like we fell and it like broke it up because everybody was just standing there horrified while this guy was like on all fours and like blood is like dripping from his face and this dude is like ready to tee, tee his fucking head off. I, and I just jumped out of the car and grabbed the guy and then it was like a big calamity and then I jumped back in the fucking car and we drove away because after I broke it up, other people grabbed the guy and like everybody yeah. else fucking intervened. It takes one person. To get, yeah, you have, one person has to break, it's like dancing. I mean, one person has to just break the seal and then other people will get brave you know True. i i just the other day before we take the next call i can tell this story it's funny uh so yesterday i was out walking and i was downtown and uh a guy stopped me on the street he said dude dude bro there's a car on fire over there and i turned around and looked and there was <laughs> A car on fire. Like, right. it was on real fire. I sent yeah, you sent, a picture. Uh, yeah. And it was the like, whole front end was yeah. engulfed in flames. It was in on real fire. And uh, I was like, oh, well, I'm going to go gawk at that. So I turned around. And me, it was downtown on a Saturday. Uh, so it was like, it was downtown on a Saturday. So there weren't many people down there. But every single person was watching. the. Every single person was watching this car be lit on fire, right? The guy that hit me to it was waiting at the bus stop when I met him. He was like just getting off work. He was wearing his work clothes and he's waiting at the bus stop. So dude gets on the bus, right? Takes it one stop forward, gets off the bus and goes fucking running at the car yelling, is there anybody in there? Is there anybody he got, in there? He got on the bus and he got ate up watching it. He was like, there's a baby in there. And it was like, no, why would somebody be in there? There was like a lot of warning before anything. But because like when a car lights on fire, it doesn't just automatically, the doors don't seal shut. It's smoke. It starts smoking. And then you're like, that's enough smoke that we need to jump out of this fucking thing. Yeah. And this dude is just like, is there anybody in there? And I'm like, no, there's not. He's like, did they get out? And I'm like, yes, they got out. Did they get out? And I'm like, yes. And he fucking takes off running towards the car. And this other guy by me was like, dude, don't run to the car. And then we had to run up and pull this guy away from running up to a car to, I assume, save people. But it was like, if you were really like into saving these people, you probably wouldn't have jumped on the bus and it took the bus to the next stop. Like, what was he saying on that bus is all I can think about. It's like, what was he in there? Like, this car on fire? It's probably somebody in there burning to death. And it was like, <laughs> still, when I took the picture, Brett, I took the picture... 10 minutes after I saw it and the, that it was just the front of the car that was on yeah. fire. They were like able to just walk right out the door and get out. So I don't know. It was interesting. What's to be a hero? There were about, yeah, well, and there were like 50 people filming it on their phones. Like people just fucking converged on it. Yeah, man. And we're, we're with their phones, like filming it. Like, oh my God. Like every person was doing like their own commentary. Like, oh my God, bro, this car's on fire. Oh my God, this car, you know, like they were all doing their commentary. So I just walked up down the street and then I turn and then this car's on fire. <laughs> I don't know. Nobody knows what's going on. But I think this dude was really wanted to be a viral hero. Like I think like in his mind, I don't think he was like as cynical as I'm thinking about it. But I think there something. I mean, he wasn't in. paying attention to the people that were like, stop doing that. He's like, I have to go save them. No, I'm going to give my life right now. <laughs> I, I want everybody, my intention is to give my life for another human being. 
<laughs> Can I get it on record? It was great. It was <laughs> love it. All right, let's yeah. get on these calls. We got they're building up a little bit. Oh no, I can All tell right. more heroic tales of breaking up fights, but uh, don't. <laughs> we'll save that for another time. Thanks for calling Street Fight. Who are we talking to? Hey, what's up? It's Lonnie out of Philly. What's up, Lonnie? What's up, Lonster? <laughs> no, I got two stories for you guys. I think you're gonna like one. It's like more like a Brian thing, but the other one I think everyone's gonna like. Let's go for it. Uh, the first you could have said it was a Brett thing. Well, it's this. I just being a sec. So I used to work. This was a long time ago, like 2004, 2005. I was working in one of those white vans that sold speakers. I'm sure you guys have seen them. Really? It was like, yeah. What now? Can wait, like legitimately or like as a scam? Oh, it's a scam. I okay. Just, I, I worked it like as a job. Got it. Got it. So were you, you – yeah. uh, I'm sorry. You pulled up to catch. people at the gas station yeah. and you said, hey, uh, I deliver speakers all day. We got some extra ones here. If you're interested, these JBLs are only 150 a pair today, right? Something like that? <laughs> okay. Now I got so that's to like, – That's almost verbatim. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's my backup plan. And it's happened to me a hundred times. <laughs> yeah, it has Brett's happened to me a billion times <laughs> yeah. too. What is it about me and Brett that I would? They be know that we want stolen electronics. And we won't okay. tell. I was sitting in my work van. I if I was sitting in my work van eating lunch or something like that, I would always get somebody in a box truck pulling up and fucking telling me they. Oh man, you know somebody canceled their appointment on on these speakers. And uh, I can sell them to you for $85. I always turned them down. But I now I always wondered why they picked me, <laughs> I guess. So can we can we can we help out the listeners in Street Fight, give them a little value added bonus here? Like, so what are you actually getting when you buy the speakers? Uh, you're getting like, I mean, I, I, I can't speak for all of them, but the box like is like somewhat like off brand name that sounds it'll be like like a booze or something like that, oh. like a DL, like some type ah. of off-brand shit. And they'll say, like, you say it fast, so, like, people don't actually know what you're saying. And Brett, Brett would buy that. People. Brett would, like, actually buy that happily. Though. I would, yeah. I'm like, this is just private label shit, dude. They just make them in the same factory, and they just put SUNY on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, I mean, they sounded fine. You know sure. What I mean? Like, they weren't, like... They weren't good, but like it's like you want speakers out of a truck. I remember there was one of those one of those expensive speakers. They broke them open, and basically, one of them was stuffed full of styrofoam. But on the more expensive one, they took the styrofoam out or something. Like they just basically <laughs> made it sound like they they deliberately crippled the lower model and then made you more made made you pay more to get one that was like not as dysfunctional. Bose did that a while ago. Yeah. I, I got to remember what someone's going to send it to me. I know there's some audiophile person because I remember it was fucking hilarious. Right. So what? What? Yeah, what I mean, was your, that too. Like, what was your profiling method? Can I ask? Like, how? How did? Yeah, you, we got a million. Just, everybody else, just get off the fucking lines. We have a real <laughs> big fish here. We do. We got we a really whale do. of a call here. <laughs> we really have. Like a, this is this is the most important call we've ever taken on this show. What is your method for profiling the person that you're going to sell it to? Like, what would make me an attractive me eating Wendy's in my uh, work van? What would make that a person that you pull up to? Was this a game of numbers, or were you profiling people? It's a, it's a little bit of both, but like. 
here's like the way I did it. And uh, what what I would do or what we would do, because I was always working in teams, because I didn't make it like super far. I was only doing it for a little while, like like less than a month, like to be perfectly frank. But can I? What I would do. Okay. Can I mean this is just, just my question is a little bit different from Brian's arena, but I think it'll paint the full picture. Were you buying these things yourself and reselling them, or did was there like a warehouse full of stuff that people let you take and try to sell? Like, um, how did you get the gig? Okay. I got the gig because I was 18 and, like, just got out of college or just got out of high school, right? Uh-huh. I didn't want to go to college. I was broke as shit. And I just saw – and this is how long ago it was. I saw an ad in the paper that said make $1,400 a week. Okay. And I was just like, oh, shit. Yeah, that's like, great. Yeah, I'll make $1,400 a week. Yeah, it sounds outstanding. Gladly. Write your so, own like, paycheck. I I, yeah. Yeah, it was that type of shit. And I never – seen anything like that before i had no experience so like i call the number in the newspaper and i go to this like this shit warehouse out in like the middle of nowhere and there's like a dirt bike that's taken apart inside and like these two <laughs> shitty desks and like roughed up carpet and shit <laughs> and these two like <laughs> these two like dudes sitting at a desk who you'd be like these guys like they're the like slick <laughs> yeah they're <laughs> always like sharks like that like yeah 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 like thin mustache like silk shirt type of guys um and i just like i apply for the job and they like interview me some bullshit questions whatever whatever and then they give me they call me like 20 minutes after i leave and like you get the job show tomorrow like 8 a.m so that's like that's how i got into it so it's yeah uh, so it's basically some people import a whole bunch of cheap speakers and then they hire people to be their sales staff but they so they have like zero brick and mortar stores they just rely on you harass like driving around and harassing people to buy speakers yeah it's a storage unit they set up a they set up a desk in a storage unit yeah they're just like yeah this is our warehouse in our location but you're and so you're right not like their pack forms so you're actually selling just like like knockoffs cheap speakers that aren't name brand but you know for an incredible price right yeah, I mean, like the speakers, they work. It's not like you get like a possible like, sure. cinder blocks. Or okay. Like, like yeah. they did like work. Well, people but, like, do that like, though. Fake people magazine. I'm sorry. People like, do a fake sell magazine them. with like those speakers in it. Okay. Right. Yeah, okay. People do sell them. People sell it's like. Great, but it's like. But you were just yeah I I get it now it's basically it's like it's like basically you were doing an Amazon ad live in person where like it just shows up in front of you it's like hey we've got these huge speakers you could put in your living room they're sixty nine forty eight right now and you're like fuck I think I would buy those <laughs> you know like if yeah. you showed me a gigantic yeah. pair of speakers and they were less than a hundred dollars and you let me listen to some rap music on them like I'd probably fucking buy them in that parking lot I mean I always brought them out of the car in the box for me too. Yeah, like I mean, it had a great picture on the box of like what it looks like in your living room with the sound bar and the two things up along the side and like it's surround sound and and uh I almost bought them one time. I kind of wish I had now that you're saying that they actually work cuz I just kind of was like uh, it's probably like a box of sand or something like that. And I didn't want to get ripped <laughs> off. But because I have talked to people who have went and bought things on Craigslist and not looked at them and then came out on the mm. other end and they just like got a brick in a box or something like that. And uh, I I would recommend checking. Oh, man. all them, all Back in the day, all them PS2s got sold on eBay that were just a box. Yeah. It's a genius. $450 box. Yeah. It's genius. So, uh. 
So yeah. how did they put – did you have a team? Did you have a cool team of, of dudes to go out and ride around and do this with? Uh, they were – no, it was all very sketchy. Like everybody who worked there had been – who had been there for a long time were very sketchy and they kind of put me on edge. Um, <laughs> it was a crim- really, it was like, like just a criminal organization. It was like joining a gang. <laughs> yeah, but it was like the payoff wasn't good. Like I'm down to like do whatever, but like I'm not getting paid. Like, like you only get paid if you sell something. Yeah. And while I'm training, they were like, "We'll give you forty dollars a day," and they expect the guy who's training me to give me forty dollars. Oh And at shit. the end of the day, on the first day, and listen, at the end of the day, on the first day, we didn't sell anything, so we come back and they're like, "All right, we'll pay him out." And the guy's like, "I don't have a fucking dime." <laughs> so the boss reaches into his pocket and like gives him like the eye while he's like doling out like two twenty <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> and they expect you to show up cold. the next day for work. <laughs> How yeah. many hours were you working? How many hours were you working a day? It was like it was like sixteen hours. It was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's exactly so desperate to sell speakers that he just wouldn't stop. It was like, I was like Man, I yeah, that's <laughs> the sleazy job fuck. that I talk about. The one that's selling the coupons. It was the exact same way. There was a guy that I knew from another job and he was just like, yeah, man, it's right. It really is write your own paycheck. Some days like I've sold so much shit. I've made X amount of dollars in a day. And then I figure out that he's there six days a week and it's like 14 hours a day. And then I'm figuring out how much money can be made, like even at the top level. And I'm like, this is chump change. Why is everybody doing this? I don't understand why the fuck everybody is here doing this right now. I know if, I, if he would have said, yeah. because that's what I always think when I think of like a Lonnie type, you know, like the archetype is that he would do it because it's only four hours and he comes home with a paycheck. Yeah. I mean, know? if you could make a hundred dollars in four hours or something like yeah. that would be fucking incredible, but it's not that it, it it's is chasing people down all day long and just trying to, to force a sale to happen. Just really. And I mean, you have to be an asshole. You have to sometimes just go over the boundaries and you do bully people. Oh, I, I, I hate, I did sales for a brief period of time and I hated it. I, I've came away from it. Like if you don't do, if you do something that has to be sold to people, maybe it's not worth it. You know, like it should <laughs> just be intrinsically something that people decide they want to purchase. Like it shouldn't require you like going down there and being like, no, no, this is a Sunni. It's just like it. They make it in the same factories. Now I just need a check or a money order or just cash anything right now from you at this gas station so that I can get $8 from this fucking sale. It's such a dumbass scam. Here's the thing about it, about why it's a dumb scam. Everybody hates having somebody walk up to them. Like, nobody likes to have guys jump out of a box truck and start walking towards you. Like, as you're walking towards me, I'm thinking, like, what is, oh, God, here we go, fucking something. It's yeah. This could be anything. And you can feel it, too. Like, you'll feel it before they get there that, like, I got zoned in on. Like, I got to figure a way to get out of this. Yeah. <laughs> this guy makes it all the way over to my, like, my, my vicinity. But that's what we would do because we would just, we would cruise around parking lots all over like the like Philly to Baltimore and then like oh, all around wherever we could go. And we would look for people, like you said, like sitting in your truck eating lunch and we'd be like, That guy looks broke, I'll probably buy some shit. And we <laughs> That sounds like that's because, perfect. Like, that is great, dude, because yeah, when you're broke, yeah. nothing makes you feel better than just buying some shit. Like you're like, you know what? I got enough yeah. in the bank account to buy a nice set of speakers for my family. That's exactly <laughs> what I'm gonna do today. My wife's gonna be yeah. so impressed. In the paper, you're looking at it in the paper at the speakers at Best Buy, and you're like, ah, oh, maybe one day. 
And then, like, I pull up to you in a parking lot. Like, I got that same shit for, like, 50 bucks. Yeah, I can get you set up, man. I mean, yeah. this your Call of Duty yeah. is going to sound so fucking loud. You're going to get the neighbors called on you. Yeah. God, that is too... You, this guy would, like, throw speakers into people's cars. They'd be like, no, I don't want them. He's like, no, you do. Here. And, like, I'll put them in your car for you. And, like, like, like shoving them into their hands. Oh, wow. Oh. situation, man. It was wild. That, that is bull... I mean, that is, like, a racketeering, maybe? I mean, maybe you were involved a little bit. Is that some sort of... That's a mob crime. No. To be like, I'm sorry, pal. I mean, the, the deal's actually <laughs> been done. I mean, re- regardless of what you say, uh, everything's been signed on the dotted line. We have your information. You're taking these things. No, I, I mean... Yeah. Like, I have been in that... Like, I... I have been in the situation where they won't leave me the fuck, where they won't stop, you know, where the, where the guy is like really pushy and I've rolled the windows up and just drove away from him. Cause he didn't seem like he was going to stop. <laughs> yeah. Like there is something really about Some people will, people will just stand like you. When you let someone reach into your pocket, take your money. Someone at the gas station is going to stand there. Why does <laughs> someone takes their debit card out of their wallet and runs their fucking card and puts the speakers in their car and then puts it all back and drives away. <laughs> yeah. Because it's really they just freeze. People just freeze <laughs> because it's fucking weird, man. Because, like what are you supposed to, like what are you supposed to say when they like are just like shoving the box in your hand well, when i remember doing sales it is like you can use people's politeness against them because they would be like i am absolutely astonished with your business practice good day and I'm like well i'm not finished with this conversation and they'd be like well what else do you have to say it's like, it's like why didn't you hang up why the fuck didn't you hang up on me what the fuck well that was the shady thing the shady thing that I did. I did that shady uh, uh, gas company thing, right? Where you go to the people's doors for the gas. You say like, hey, you know, you want to switch your gas service, which like nobody wants to fucking do because they don't care. They know they're not going to get a deal. You know that if you switch your gas service, you might save $11, but you switch <laughs> yeah. your gas service and you can't do anything. Yeah, your check's going to bounce. The auto pay is going to go to the wrong fucking place. Right. And nobody wants to fucking do it. And you would get, we would get to the door and like this dude that I was with, it's funny. He was in a rock band in my high school. So I thought he was like the coolest guy in the fucking world. Right. And he would stick his feet in the goddamn door when the, they would open it. <laughs> And he would start talking about it and like, you know how people are where they're like, I'm not interested. I'm not interested. I'm not. And they start repeating it. He would just fucking turn around and just be like, well, I guess you don't like saving saving money money then. then. And And would just just walk walk away. away. And it was was so fucking uncomfortable. uncomfortable. And he, and he seemed so, so mad, mad that they, they didn't, didn't buy it. it. Yeah. It's like it chased me away from sales for the rest of my life. Like, because I admire people who, like, I admire Lonnie here on the phone. I admire you because you did it. You actually went and you did sales and you have the, you can talk about it with some kind of authority. I chickened out. I never did sales. And I couldn't do it. And I'm not the type of person that is able to do it. You know, like I don't have it in me. So I salute you there. I can't believe I, I, I can't believe now I know that like everybody was just looking at like those guys were just looking at me and saying like, this motherfucker looks broke as hell. He's in his work. <laughs> that's, that's the exact thing. That's exactly. And we would like, every time we saw a cop, we would just like get the fuck out of there for whatever reason. I yeah. found out why. But he was, he was just like, we got to go. 
Oh no! Like, probably because we're pushing people around and like getting to <laughs> buy sneakers and shit. Oh, yeah, I mean, like, I mean, someone might if someone yeah. saw a police officer, they might ask for help from the person that is like right. forcing them to make a purchase. Oh my god! Yeah, I'm dying. Like, if you're like rolling up the windows, this kind of go away. Don't feel bad because he's like that's what he's pushing towards. Like, yeah, I mean, not gonna stop him to do that. He doesn't feel bad about it. Like he's just like, oh, what, what, you do the best you can, and that's it. You wrap it up. So like yeah, if that's what you gotta do, you're not hurting anyone's feelings. Just drive away, ignore them. You don't you don't owe anybody your time. Get uh, the fuck out of there. No, thank please. you, for, thank you for calling so you in. You got a five, throw them over one. Yeah, I we got, got a, another one for you real quick. We're gonna cut this yeah, out. This is gonna be like seconds. one of our Street Fight 101 sections. No, you're good. You're good. You can keep going. I we we are not. <laughs> we are willing to listen to as much as you can. <laughs> well, this is from today. So flash forward. Like, whatever, how many years. But I quit my job today. <laughs> and, like, I was Congratulations. going to in the morning with a bunch of fucking executives. And my boss told me today that he's, that the company is docking my holiday pay for Labor Day, the one that just passed. And, like, I couldn't get a hold of him all day. I couldn't get a hold of him. So I just, like, dropped my shit off in the office and I'm not going in anymore. <laughs> well, I did the same thing. With the cable company, the yeah. way the way I quit the cable company was to actually set like take all my vacation and then fucking come back on the last day with a ba- with my box of stuff and just quit because I knew they weren't going to give me my vacation time. Like, yeah, you know. Yeah, there was there's going. Yeah. I mean, what, what do you it, want me to do? What I always did whenever I make no, the ahead. decision to quit, I just do not plan on getting anything that was promised. I I, I have to make the decision. And not expecting to get any of my vacation, not expecting to get any of the shit. Like you just that's how I've always done it. Yeah. Anything yeah, I get is bonus. Like, yeah. I was like, they want me to do like I have meetings set up tomorrow morning that I'm supposed to be at. So I was just like, fuck them. Like I can't. I'm not going in tomorrow. I'm not doing that. So like, yeah. I wasn't gonna go and get my vacation and leave. I was just like, no, fuck you, you deal with it. Was it the type like, of place that wasn't gonna let you do I mean, was it the type of place that was going to make two weeks notice even just terrible anyway? Probably. They're probably going to have me do a bunch of extra shit. So, fuck it. And this guy's an asshole anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm heartbroken about fucking him over. <laughs> yeah, Wendy, so, uh, and you and you have something else lined up? Or are you, are you, uh, or are you just like, fuck this, I got to nah. get out of here, I'm just leaving? No, nah, yeah, I don't think that far ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Smart. <laughs> I've been there. We are the same guy. So uh, I, I know how you feel. I know when I quit my job, when I quit that cable job, it was just like, I don't know. I'll go to college or something, I guess. I don't know. That'll buy me a few years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll figure it out in the morning. You know? I'm not dealing with it. Well, thanks. Thank you so much for calling. I I, I am endlessly fascinated with, the, with, with sales period like i think sales jobs are interesting but the kind that you were doing is like the kind that like what a what a fucking crazy job like what a what a situation to run into and it is weird because when you're looking through the jobs on a craigslist or or in even the classifieds there's no way for you to know if you're headed into a warehouse with a guy with a dirt bike yeah, <laughs> there's no way to fucking know that. Yeah, I mean, and a lot of it is, um, uh, I mean, you're just a shakedown artist. Yeah. I mean, that's what it was. 
the sales job I had, I've there's just so many of them that are the boiler room things where you're just lying and lying and lying and running with it as long as you can and making as much as you can as quickly as possible. I mean, what was the coupon deal? Can I ask that? The coupon deal was that they were selling coupons. You would buy, you know, basically... I mean, I would say the coupons, as a coupon person, these were good coupons. They, okay. they would be like $20 off your whole visit, you know? Okay. And you would get, maybe you would get two $20 off coupons and like five or six other ones that were like a free appetizers and things like that. You have to be highly you motivated would, to use them, you, though? Yeah, you'd be highly motivated and you'd have to go there. They expire a year later. Okay. But you're paying like $40 and you're going to get $100 worth of value at a restaurant that you go to. But they also said that this was all to raise money for charity. But only at the end of the day, when I talked to the guy, he said 5% of the money goes to charity. Yeah, five percent that five of, don't go either. It doesn't make it. It probably doesn't make it. It's probably on a to-do list or well, like an IOU. Yeah, it's like written that he's like got a, a, a spreadsheet where he takes 5% of what he made every day and he puts it in the spreadsheet and it adds itself up and it lets him know how much he has to give to charity at some point when he starts making the amount yeah, of money. Yeah, whenever he gets what he wants. When he finally gets his Rolex. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it was, you know, um, it, but it was a matter of, uh, you know, grabbing people at the store and just saying, you said you love, you said this is your favorite restaurant. You should buy this. So you, you said like, you have kids. You said you you said you want. I only did that one day. I didn't even do that. That I that, I never had that job. I interviewed and did it one day for twelve hours and thought it was the most like half at lunch. I was considering and I I, I really wish I would have just ran home. My parents' house was probably a twenty minute walk away, and I should have just ran home instead of uh, fucking showing up. But there was no like Uber or Lyft at the time. I couldn't have went back and got my car. And he's you know I don't know. Oh yeah, dude, they took me to Chillicothe, Ohio, which they is would just capture out you. Of town, and it's like I can't. And you want to take a break? Somebody else's car. Uh, you want to take? I, I want to pee. Okay. So you take one more call, and then I'll come over here. We'll finish it. We'll take a break. Okay. Because I don't want to be peeing on the break. I. You don't want to pee on the break. You want yeah. to pee when we're doing the show. Pee on company time. No, okay, fuck. Let's just take a break. I'll pee. Yeah, I mean, we've got a few calls. Uh, if you're in the queue, we'll get to you. Um, oh, I need music. You have to send me music, Brett. I just sent you some. I, I, this is not... Uh, I have to say that I don't know. I haven't heard this one. Somebody sent it to me, so this is your chance. This is... You got plucked out of the uh, grab bag here. Soundcloud.com slash Snapdeus. Said here, it's, it's called Screwdriver. The band's name is Screwdriver. I'm kidding. It's not. No, I'm kidding. Jeez, you said I didn't listen to it, and yeah. I was doing like a joke about how, like, if you didn't listen to it, yeah, you know what I mean. No. If you're a Street Fighter and you have music that isn't registered on whatever the fucking streaming DRM bullshit is that will get our shit taken down, uh, please send it to us. We would love to play it on the show. We love playing your music. Oh, this is a SoundCloud? SoundCloud Rock, which is, I mean, that's a tough road to hoe, in my opinion. Yeah, this is Snap Deus. We're going to start with Unsteady, and it's just going to play through. It, 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 this looks pretty fucking cool. So, uh, all right, I'm playing it. Jason, you got to let me know if it's playing, and here we go. Mm -hmm. 
Everybody, welcome to Street Fight Radio. It's the call-in show. We're taking your calls tonight, answering your questions, listening to your stories about forcing speakers on people. Uh, I'm Brett Payne. He's Murder Brian. You can find us online. We're on Facebook, Snapchat, Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, all of that. Street Fight WCRS. I think on t- on Twitch, we're actually Street Fight Radio is the name. It's a different one because Brian set it up. But Street Fight WCRS everybody, everywhere else. You can hear us in Columbus, Ohio on WCRS Community Radio. They are the best that uh, there, there is here in this capital of uh, Ohio. You can find us at 98.3 or 92.7 on your radio dial. Uh, so far so good. If you want more of what we do, I mean, we do a basement show, we do a call-in show, we do the live streams, but we also watch Undercover Boss. We're watching, what was that? What did we watch this week? Undercover Billionaire? Yeah, we're going to watch, uh, the factory thing. The, the Obama factory, factory Obama thing video. This week. Yeah. Yeah. So if you like bonus content, we do zines, we do bonus audio, we do bonus video. All of that can be found at patreon.com slash street fight radio. There's so much to get into. Just dive right in. You know, doesn't cost any money to sign up. It's you get charged at the first of the month. So give it a try. What's free, up? free trial period. Um, you want to get on these phone calls? Yeah, let's do it. Thanks for calling Street Fight. Who are we talking to tonight? Hello? Is this a skeleton? Oh, is it me? Yeah. yeah. This is you. What's up? Who's this? Oh, my God. I thought your all hey, the flesh had been up, vaporized Street from Fight? your bones. What's up? How are you doing tonight? <laughs> yeah, I'm well. I uh, This is actually my first time calling in. This is Casey from Philly. What's also, up? Also, you are spazzy online. What's um, up, Casey? How's it going? I spent most of the day stuck in the train terminal of Atlantic City trying to make my way back. My first time ever taking NJ Transit. And that was for my first Philly Socialist Central Committee meeting. Oh, how was that? How was the Socialist Central Committee meeting? Yeah, it was great. Um, I actually haven't done a whole lot of organizing with them before, but apparently every three months or so they pick a couple random members and actually put them on central committee for experience and new blood and that sort of stuff. Nice. Nice. Uh, so it went pretty well for you today. Is this the first time you've ever done anything with socialists or? Oh, no, no, no. I've been doing uh, sort of student activism the past couple of years, but this is my first foray into uh, the actual city organizing sort of stuff, but it was great. Yeah. And I'm really excited to keep working with them. Nice, nice. So, uh, is it an organization that's like looking for people? Do you need, did, did you want to, uh, tell people how to get involved? Hell, uh, I think most organizing bodies need more people in them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think Philly Socialist has about 200 or so. That's pretty good. But I yeah, mean, yeah, if you want to get involved, uh, they got a Facebook, they got a website that you can, uh, start paying dues through. 
Um, this month, I think we have a couple of events. Uh, the biggest one that we'll probably need people for is uh, the March to End Rape Culture. That's going to be in Philly on the 28th, I believe. Yeah, go to that. I, I'm for that. The March to End Rape yeah. Culture. I, w I would say that is, a, that is a good cause to go march at. There's no... Uh, that's not a gray area. It's a pretty black and white thing. And, uh, seems like something you should go to. <laughs> Philly's a street fight city. They yeah. do a lot of amazing stuff there. Yeah, it is. It is. And it's just like a cool city. Like it, it's like, uh, I, I feel I go to a lot of big cities now and, uh, I don't feel close to the people that live in most big cities. When you're talking about New York or Los Angeles or, Boston or any of those places, but I understand the people in Philly. Like those are my people. <laughs> They're a lot like the people I I you know came up around. <laughs> well, hell, we loved you last time you were in town. You got to come back. Um. Well. Um. Keep an eye out for uh, next May. We will. Yeah, that. next May probably Hellfire Tour is going to hit that up. Yeah, the Hellfire, Ooh, Hellfire Congregation. Tour of radical egalitarianism the trillbillies the sams and street fight uh we're in the like early early planning stages of uh doing a northeastern tour in, in may at the beginning of may so we will be in philly well, shit can't wait <laughs> it'll be fun it'll be fun yeah i wanted to say also i mean we are going to be in texas next month in october um Kath Barbadoro is going to open for us. You know her from WrestleSplania. You know her from What a Time to Be Alive. You know her from Lie, Cheat, and Steal. She's going to be also opening for Patton Oswalt, I hear. But before that, she's going to open for Street Fight Radio. And, of course, we're going to bring her out and talk to her. But you can come see us in Austin, Texas on October 14th. Oklahoma City, Oklahoma on October 16th. Dallas, Texas on October 17th. And I'm 80% sure... Houston, Texas, October 18th, hopefully with Party World Wrestling. All It'll right. be a crossover event of a lifetime. Yeah, crossing over. Lots of crossovers for us. Uh, that's what we do now. We just cross over. I love doing crossovers. Right, and we're going to be announcing some some cool stuff for the West Coast soon. It's, that's almost done, and there's going to be a bunch of cool crossovers there, too. So, uh It'll be fun. We just used your call as a way to uh, plug our live gigs. <laughs> so that's something. Thanks. Yeah, no, that's all right. Thank you. Thank you for calling. Did you have anything else? Um, I do have some grievances I'd like to voice, if you don't mind. Not yeah. with y'all, of course. Yeah. Oh, damn. I mean, you could have voiced more of a voiced work them. sucks sort of situation you could have voiced your grievances with us too we we are pro freedom of speech yeah we will here. take yeah we will definitely <laughs> hear that uh go for it go for it yeah well uh i am a college student and i am currently in a work study program i work at one of the dorms on campus and uh they have not paid my ass in three weeks Ugh. yeah many christmas and you, they expect you to show up right <laughs> well, I didn't show up for work today because, again, they haven't paid me in th three weeks. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Actually, it's not even just me. It's all of my department. It's all of the student workers in my department. Why is nobody getting how, uh, paid? Do you, do you have an idea of why nobody's getting paid? Or have they tried to explain it to you? 
they have not even attempted, if I'm being honest. Um, I keep trying to go search out people on the administrative portion of my department. They keep giving me the bullshit answers that managers tend to give. Uh, so I don't really have anything. <laughs> That's wild. Uh, and and yeah, so are they just up. trying to avoid you? Like, are, are, are you like, where's my paycheck? Actively. And they're like, oh, you know, come back in a half hour. Or, or like, where's my paycheck? It's like, go. Uh, I'm going to email Rich about that. Yeah. Have you talked about, have you thought about sweeping a floor? I mean, the floor needs actually slept right now. And uh, we'll get on your paycheck later. I hate jobs. <laughs> hey, here's the thing. Jobs where they treat your paycheck like a pain in their ass are some of the worst. I was I was uh, referencing this to Brett the other day because he was out. He's busy. Brett has to pay me out from Patreon. And uh, he was busy, and it doesn't matter. Like, I, I, I'll be okay. I just have a rent check that, like, goes in before I get paid because that's the way the world works. And uh, I messaged him. And he he went he got it for me right away. He didn't b complain about it or anything like that. But it made me think of all the times that I would be like a, like when I worked at Chuck E. Cheese, for example, when there were like the checks come in at one p.m. on Friday, and I would be there at twelve fifty-five. <laughs> like, are the checks in? Are the no, checks in? I do that. Are the checks in? <laughs> no, I do that. I mean, um, Jason Jason is really fun with it because he doesn't bug me. He just sends like a and this is so odd. Um, I mean, he's just such a, a good natured teddy bear guy, but on the exterior, he was very rough and gruff <laughs> and kid. doesn't like people, but he always sends me a different emoji each week. Like he'll just send me his hours as soon as he leaves. And then when I wake up in the morning, if it gets past noon, he'll just send me like an avocado emoji. <laughs> like just as like a little ping, like a little fun reminder that like I haven't paid him yet. And like Jake, Jake is great because Jake always comes up with a thing. He's like, hey, uh, my texting has been like messing up all day. So just let me know when you do the uh, Venmo request for the money. Like he's because it's just. You know, I and I understand it, but being on the other side, sometimes I do want to like wring all y'all's necks. Oh, I like mean, it's so hard to be on the other side of it sometimes. Oh, I I understand. Like I always, but it's get like it that's it my position, though. Right, and I yeah, bad cop. We, we mentioned yeah. this on uh, I just did the POD cast with John Cullen, and uh, I was talking about how I have such thin skin that I do stand up comedy with another guy who says all the mean stuff so that I can say all the nice stuff. Yeah. And be the good guy. <laughs> and he was like, you know what? I just realized that I'm the bad guy on Blocked Party. Yeah. And I was like, so then we're great to yeah. join this together again. You need a to good have guy and a bad guy. Both sides. I'm a baby face. I can't. Yeah. Help. But I mean, like Brett has never said, like, come on, man, leave me the fuck alone. And I had bosses that were like, Hey, do you think he could like come in at like four instead of one? And it's like, you said one, you said it was going to be here at one. I yeah. need the fucking money right away at one. I don't need the money. I need the money more at four. Like the way that I live my life or have lived my life at that time, especially was like, there was a large difference between one and four for my money. <laughs> that was, might as well have been 10 days. There was going to be four hours where I didn't have any money. You know, so uh, it is it's funny to 
like it sucks that they're not paying you because it sounds like you're going through the situation where they where they just are treating your pay as like an inconvenience of the job, you know, where it's like this is no, uh, absolutely yeah. this is my and job. The problem is like no, sorry. No, but they're just saying, like, I know it's my job to get them paid, and I'm sure they probably oh, not, feel bad about I, you not getting paid, but it also yeah. feels like a pain in the ass. I fucking, and I hate paying people. Like, when the bank account's really low, I'm just like, oh, my God, I hate paying you right now. I just, you're just, like, putting me in a spiral where I'm just, like, sell T-shirts, like, sell tickets, like, can, what, like, we need cash right now because we're paying for, you know, but, you know, I think that's also at this point, I've just taken it on as like a part of the business is like, well, I'm generating this much attention. I'm requiring this much labor. I just got to make the money. Like I've gone from being like, I'm going to save the money to like, I'm going to make the money. Like I'm just going to make the money to, to get these people paid. Right. And if you, but have- like you do like it is, I, I mean, it's, it really is. I think what is disheartening about it is that when your superiors are fucking with your money like that and they don't let go and just really apologize for that and try to commiserate with you and they treat it like you know you're being rude or something if you bring it up you know that's interesting because like uh that is something that that like uh we fight with too because it like asking for your pay feels rude you know i feel like it's wrong yeah like can i can i have my check and it's like ugh. Yo, you want your check? And it's like, oh yeah, that's I come here for the check. <laughs> that's the only reason I'm fucking here. Like, yeah, everything relies on this thing showing up every two weeks. Like, I'm a happy camper because every two weeks this money comes. The minute it's not here, I am in free fall. Right. Well, and I I, I have to assume that a, a student work job is not paying so much that you have some amount of money build up and that's the thing that colleges seem to colleges have this like when i was going there they have this like way of thinking for some reason it feels like they think you should always have like two or three thousand dollars just in your bank account yeah just like a little float fund (laughs) yeah yeah because like uh, i mean well you would that's what it sounds like. They're expecting you to like kind of shoulder this. Like, what am I like? Like you're just supposed to be like, oh yeah, sure, sure. Um, I have a bunch of reserve cash that I will pay all my bills right now. And then at the end of the month, six weeks from now, we'll square this all up. It's not a big deal. I got an Amex black card. So like, I'm cool. I just want to make sure you're okay. Can I give you a, can I give you like a loan or something? Is something, would it make you comfortable if it gave you my last paycheck? If I didn't cash my like pay, last paycheck, would that make you feel better? Right? <laughs> yeah. It really feels that oh, way. It does. You know, it's like asking for a raise. We've talked about that on the show, but it's like, I've never asked for a raise in my entire fucking life because I just, it feels rude and it's not rude. It's absolutely the right thing to do. And it's not rude, but we're conditioned to believe they rely that the on money it. part of the job they rely on it well yeah and, and that the money part of the job is like the least important like of all the things for the job it's like well you know uh making sure that chuck e cheese making sure that you put like plastic over all the parmesan cheeses is important before eco lab comes in or, or like uh making sure that like you make sure the pizza oven's clean and all that stuff. It, it it should be that your check 
is of the utmost importance to the person whose job it is to dole out your checks. And I can maybe even understand, because there was a time at, at Chuck E. Cheese, at least, where, uh, and I'll never for fucking forget this day. It was crazy. They came two days late. The checks came two days late, right? And there were people there, like, working there as their job. You know, there were older people there that, that worked there. And the manager, the general manager, was, like, mad at us because we were mad about trying to get our fucking money and everybody's yeah. like dude it's two days late like where's the checks and he was like don't worry about we'll, they'll get here what do you think we're not gonna pay you and it's like well you haven't yeah yet. at this so, yeah, point I yeah do. i never believe the money's gonna show up in my account ever like, I don't no you, you can't reason. count on it until it's there i know i don't have any reason to believe the money will ever be in my bank account until money is in my bank account and even when it gets there I can't have, I don't have any reason to believe that the bank's not going to take $500 from it and say that I bounced a bunch of checks or something. Well, yeah, I, you know? I have the same thing with the amount of money that comes in for the business. I'm always just like, th there's going to be something. Someone's going to stop this. Someone's going to say, this is a ridiculous amount of money that's coming through here. Like, you're going to have to explain it and we're going to like seize it until you like show records. Like, yeah. I just feel uncomfortable like with the, with like the more that we get, it's just this feels like there's going to be a target. Like, it's like, you're not allowed to do this. Yeah. Yeah. No, it does. I mean, and you're not allowed to make money is really. What well, I mean, you, I mean, to. you have to make sure that every cent they are getting like a 10th of it. You have to make sure that you're oh, yeah. shaving off. <laughs> That's true. A third for them. That is true. Yeah. My wife is the, is the funny one about like putting her hours in and getting her money because, uh, she doesn't do it with any regularity. And I, I'm always like, it's, no, you got to put the hours in, dude. You got to tell. It's kind of close. It's in the first week now. Oh, really? Yeah. For a while, she was like, Katie oh, isn't bad. No, Katie. No, you're right. Katie is. Katie is bad because Katie doesn't even bother to do it. I'm like, it'll be 13 days into the month, and I'm like, did I pay you yet? Yeah. And then she's like, no. And I'm like, I fucking knew I didn't want to. I didn't want to. I didn't, I didn't want to. And that's why I let it go this long. But like, fuck, I didn't do it. And then and then I'm like, well, just take it. I mean, you earned it, right? You it's your fucking asked. money. Yeah. I think you like. I don't expect to be not asked. Not you. Not you. Because usually I don't ever ask I, you anyway. No. It usually shows right up for me. No. She, but but I, I have to. She has to turn in her hours. Right. I don't ha I don't ask anyone for their hours. Right. You shouldn't have to. She should be turning them in, I say. That, I'm taking the boss's side on this. Okay. One. Surprising. She's going to be mad now. She's, yeah. I, don't I wanna... asked her not to listen to the show anymore. Because... But, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, that's all. It's all it is. It's a matter of is like uh, when the first, that's Patreon. Everybody knows that's payday. Just uh, you tell me your hours and we're good to go. Staff meeting. Is that, did you have another grievance other than not getting paid? That's horrible. Uh, well, I mean, let me say this much. I wish I had someone to yell at for my paycheck, but the thing is, it's all automated, Ugh. and our HR contact actually quit last Thanksgiving. That's great. And they haven't replaced them. Mm. <laughs> mm. Fuck. So Love it. That's America. I, I was standing... No, yeah. Absolutely. Ain't that America? Something to be. You got it wrong. <laughs> it's <laughs> what it is. Parker doesn't it's, know any lyrics in his It's life. a horrible song. I know. Why I would you know it? Ain't that America? Because I know every song. But uh, so you don't even have anybody to yell at? Well, I, I did see one of the administrators uh, as I was walking out of my uh, place of work the other day, and I stopped them and I told them, hey, I haven't been paid. My coworkers haven't been paid. In fact, one of my coworkers is saying that you're trying to cut a week of her pay out of her total paycheck 
like, what the fuck is going on? And uh, <laughs> he gave them bullshit managerial, oh, well, we realize there's a situation and we're trying to work on it. I'm like, motherfucker, it's the first of, this was last week, it's the first of the month. I have bills to pay. You haven't paid me in two weeks. I'm flat fucking broke. What can you do for me? And he walked away from me. Jeez, man. Oh, I feel for Wow, you. that's wild. I, I mean, I know that dealing with the college... Criminy. I know that dealing... I did work study, too. Like, I, I got a paid internship when I worked there. And, you know, they got me the money most of the time. They were only paying me, like, $9 an hour. No skin off their back. Yeah, the like, here's, here's $76. <laughs> yeah, but it was like... um. But when I was doing the the work study stuff, if something had to happen through HR or something like that, there's just no fucking possible way to get to somebody. Like it oh it never felt it's such a bureaucracy that it never felt like you would ever get to the person that could actually do the thing. You know that there oh, is a person that can do it. Well, actually, my belief now is that it's three people. And they can do a part of the thing and nobody can actually do the thing, you know, <laughs> they've got it down to a point where three, there's three people and they have like each a key and they can turn it and get your paycheck to you. But there's nobody, no one, there isn't an ultimate top person that can get their hands on it. Yeah. And it's wild. It, it just is. There's no way to figure out how to how to how to find the people at a college and i i assume it's like this at some of the bigger corporations too i've yeah. never worked at like a huge one but uh it, it always was like at mcdonald's at chuck e cheese at, at any of those jobs if the checks didn't come in and you started asking questions it was out of the hands of everybody in the building so what was what was going to happen after that what could we even possibly do after that you know no, yeah, my uh, my direct manager told me, like, go to student employment offices, see if they can help you out. I go over there, and they tell me, oh, that's a problem in your department. You got to go talk to them. I'm like, fucking Christ. And then someone else told me, yeah, we can't even print paychecks. Like, we don't have a system. I knew it. Like, oh, I knew it. You don't have a system to give me my money. <laughs> that's exactly. But they don't. They. I mean, that person's not lying. There Dude, is, like, not... It, I, it's 10 layers above that person, I'm sure. I worked at this criminal-ass-minded, small family, but big, pretty big company, and there was one time the checks weren't going through, and the manager just took like $100 out of petty cash, and then everybody else was like, well, what the fuck are we supposed to do? And then he just handed everybody else like $50 out of petty cash. It was just like, that'll get us through tonight, and then tomorrow, hopefully, we can get our fucking checks. Oh, it was crazy. God. It was, yeah, that, that was a wild, that was a pretty wild job. I mean, there's just nothing you can do. There's You have yeah. no power in that situation. No, we were all like, he was just, everybody was in the dark, and it was just, there was nothing coming down. And back then, the computers were nothing like what we have today. I mean, you would just, like, sign on to this horrendous email program and just wait for, like, news that was never going to fucking come. I mean, there was nothing, there was no tweeting, there was no, like, tweeting about it. There was no other information. You were just literally stuck at a store doing your job. And waiting for an email that said you could finally expect to get your fucking paycheck. I mean, you can't even whoop somebody's ass. No, no. There isn't an ass. Everybody there is like clueless. Yeah. 
Well, hey, thanks for calling in. Uh, no, yeah, yeah, good call. Uh, yeah, good call. Thank you. Yeah, peace out. Yeah, uh, there's nobody's ass to whip. No, there's I mean, nobody to yell at. There's it's that's what's frustrating. There's been a for few. A lot of, like, that's alien. That is true alienation from the fruits of your labor. In a yeah. way. Like the, the Marxist thing where they where he says that like you're so alienated. You're like they're you're so far away from the fruits of your labor that it's this big fucking machine and that you don't even really know what you're working for. At, at a certain point, you're just there, like working for the money to survive. It's it's not like necessary. Yeah, and uh, you get so far, like they can they can separate you so far from anybody that can make a real decision. That well, yeah, I mean, it was like uh, when I decided to move to Dallas. It's like it was one of those weird fortuitous events where six months later the company got bought by other people. And they basically bought the infrastructure and the information and just got rid of the whole team in Columbus. And all these people that I work with were just like yanked out of things that were like, you know, wait a second. Like, you know, we had a handshake deal with this guy about promises for the future and retirement and all these other things. And like it was just not on paper, you know, or it just wasn't going to happen. And people were just didn't have all the things that they told they were going to have, you know, they just got like a, mm -hmm. like they didn't get a check and then they got paid off for like a final amount and then they were done with them, you know? Yeah. It was, yeah. it's just like, Oh fuck. It sucks. Yeah. It sucks. The shock of like what it's talking about fights earlier in the show. That's yeah. also one of those things. Like it kind of rings in my mind when someone's like, you know, my check bounce and you're like, wait, what? Like yeah. you're having a conversation like, you know what? Fuck, f fuck nougat. It's not even like a real thing. Nobody likes nougat. It's leftover. And then someone's like, uh, my check bounced. And like, what? Yeah, mine did too. And then there's like, you just fucking, you're just ringing in your fucking ears. And you're just like, the money's not there, you know? And you're just, I mean, it's fucking a bomb going off. Like, cool. yeah, you're sitting around thinking like. I let my electric bill go until yeah. I had to pay it tonight. Yeah, this is the I last have checks out. I yeah. like have checks out. It was the worst <laughs> yeah. feeling to me. It was like uh I have checks out and my it's not coming. Like I have checks out. I wrote yeah. a check last night. Don't you know that's how we do things? You yeah. Check the night before. Yeah, we're we're all following the rules. <laughs> yeah. Following the rules. I want to pay this. Yeah, yeah, you need to have my money. All Again, right. I think there are a lot of bosses and shit, and I think there are a lot of upper management that would never consider that you don't have a thousand or two thousand or a week's yeah. pay socked away in case something bad happens. Sure. Just like, yeah, I mean, go, go to your credit card. It's like, I no, I haven't had a credit card in 10 years. Yeah, Are you I, kidding me? No they took those away way. from me as soon as I got them. Yeah. All right, let's get it on, on the line here. Let's we gotta wrap it up. We got a few people, but we got a little, we, we, a little we comfortable. A we'll be time, comfortable tonight. So we're good. Thanks for calling Street Fighter. Who are we talking to tonight? Hello? Howdy. Hey, what's up? Who's this? Oh, hi. This is Andrew from uh, PA. What's up, Andrew? How's it going tonight? What's What's up? Uh, man, I don't even know. Uh, I, I guess I'm piggybacking off that last guy. You said you're doing like a Northeast tour yes. next year? Yeah, yeah, around May. So what's happening is that there's an event called the Great Saunter, and it happens in New York City. Basically, they walk like 35 miles of like Manhattan like coastline and visit like 16 metro parks. It's this all-day walkathon that Brian wants to do considering he crushes that kind of shit on the regular here in town 
also because he knows that walking is one of my fitness walking long distances is one of my fitness weaknesses and that my hip flexor is going to give out on me and I'm going to look pathetic compared to his impressive glutes and uh, hip structure. Well, here's the thing. Uh, I've never walked 35 miles. Ooh. I walk, my highest step count was 61,000. I did it last Monday and it was, um, it was 26 miles. Okay. And it was, uh, is, is that, is it, is it, is it, did I get that right? Did I, did I call it right? Or you thought I would knew the, know the right, I'm supposed to be the guy that knows it. Yeah. I had 61,000 steps and I, and, and, uh, sure walkers. I'm going to say this to Brett. 32 miles. Okay. I can do 32. I feel 32. like I can still do it. That's about 75,000 steps. I think, I think I can still do it. I, okay. I feel fairly calm. The only issue that's going to come is that that's I have to get up early. May too. 2nd. Yeah. I have to get up early. That's where the issue comes in. Okay. If they were doing it starting at 2 p.m. and going to like midnight, that, that would be the perfect mm, That would be fun, yeah. But the thing is, I... Uh, yeah, sauntering is something, from what I understand, it, it does take place at like 1 or yeah. 3. Um, I was reading about... I can't remember who it was. Ah, fuck. It was some stupid thing, but there was this guy that had like a house and he would walk. He had two houses and he would walk so far and then to the night that he would just show up on the other side of town at like his family member's house and have breakfast with them. Yeah. Like if he got real inspired to like get steps in, like he would just walk the whole night through until it was breakfast and then go fuck it up and then go to bed. I mean, I have walked 35 miles in 24 hours. You know, in 24 hours, I've walked. 50 miles okay the next day i get up and then also yeah do it later it is unfair and, to, and with most um organizing bodies with professional walking they do a <laughs> 12 p.m to 12 a.m day which isn't right i mean it should be a 24-hour period yeah if it was a 24-hour period i would be much i've walked 11 miles today and i walked um 10 yesterday, 10, 12, yeah, 35,000 steps yesterday. And um, it just, like, I want to tell Brett where I walk, like, a distance that I walk. Can I tell you? Would you be interested in hearing, like, a, a span of road that I walked? I walked from Lane Avenue. Mm-hmm. Okay. Nearby. To 104. <laughs> and then I turned around and walked. I walked. To 104. From campus, from Ohio State campus, which is in the middle of town. I walked from there to outside of the city limits of Columbus, Ohio. Did you get to 270? No, I didn't go to 270. I went to 104 and turned around, which is... Uh, I don't think I know it. You do know it. It's it's uh, it's in the south end. It's way out oh, on the south Oh, the end. other side. Yeah, and it's just one of the... Uh, it's... it's uh, I, I can look it up, but it's a, it's a very long walk through a lot of different neighborhoods. <laughs> 104. Oh, I see ya. Yeah, it's a very long walk through a bunch of different neighborhoods and it's it was uh it was crazy. It was fun though. It was cool. It's like oh, you get past to, Hungarian village. Yeah, you get to see so like you get to see so many different settings when you do something like that. And that's that's why the great saunter is so interesting to me because I love seeing oh, yeah. different settings. You this know? is yeah. I mean, honestly, the south end of of Columbus is its own microsystem of people that get by on whatever goes on over there, Actually, and they don't have a big part of what happens in the rest of Columbus. <laughs> Can I say this about the South End? 
Uh, gentrification is happening. Definitely. I was down there. There was a winery there. There was a meadery there. There was a printing co-op there. I just had to hit- painted dark gray buildings, Ugh. right? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, That's yeah, I know exactly know. what you mean. So it's getting it's getting gentrified, and I started I, thinking I about just, it. I just want to say real quick, I heard the fucking phrase in transition neighborhood this weekend. Yeah, and I just wanted to fucking scream. Yeah. Ew. So thank you, thank you, caller. <laughs> so, thank you for being with me on that. Fuck. I saw that though, and all the people hate that. I do too. All the people I knew that grew up on the uh, on the South End, because I grew up there. I was there for a while. My mom's whole family's from over there, and uh, all of all they all wanted was to just move to like the suburbs or like Chillicothe or something, and it's sort of or Circleville, and it's sort of like you know if somebody rolled in there. Some developer rolled in there and was like, look, here's money. You can go fucking get yourself like a nice little bit of land out there in Circleville. Oh. And then we're just going to build this place up. Yeah. I'd be okay with that. You, but I'm not okay with the fact that they come in there and they're going to push them somewhat. Because a lot of people that live down there, uh, uh, like I hate to generalize, but it's like very rednecky sort yeah. of. It's like a red, it's like a hillbilly part of town. It's where my family's from. And it's a struggle-ish Part yeah. of town. And, and like uh a lot of the people don't want to live in the city, they are stuck in the city because yeah. the rent is cheaper at the place that yeah. they're at than the place that they want to be. Yeah. Or they can't afford to get a house or something like that. Or maybe some of them have been there for generations, which is sad. Like there's gonna be so many people kicked out of their houses that have been there for generations. And it's just but like But you're right. They man, if, if they're gonna just work in auto zone and like live in Columbus, they could also just go somewhere else and work at auto zone and be fucking fine yeah if they let you could probably live a much problem. more richer life i know and and like i don't want i don't want people to like it's take fucked this up but at, i mean whatever. i don't want people to take this as like i think people should move out of the neighborhoods that they grew up in that the culture should be gone because i want the culture there i want that neighborhood to stay i want all that stuff to be there i i find that part of the city cool i want to put our office over there sure you know which is gentrification yeah but like i want to i want to like i like it over there and i like it over there because it's not like antiseptic and it's yeah it's like there there are still like you know there's still cars on blocks in the front yard people still have chickens out there and, yeah and stuff like that and it's like i want that there i think you like places like that are what i thought a city was going to be when i but, moved to the city when i was a kid but like know? earlier in this yeah once again and so it's like these people do also provide a service to us and most of them have done something that we all need but you know, do not value the labor that they provide. Like, so we keep them in poverty and they, you know, wouldn't be doing this otherwise, you know? Right. And they also wouldn't, uh, I mean, it's a matter of, it's just a matter of like, yeah, nobody should be running into somebody else's neighborhood and taking it all up. You know, we should all just be evenly provided the, the, you know, services and like all of that, you know, it's, it's, the way that they fuck it up with the schools, the schools, it's all based on taxes. And so these motherfuckers that, uh, you know, just go to the suburbs where the taxes are higher and people pay more for the schools. And, um, you know, people in the city are just supposed to fucking deal with it. And we, we leave these kids, uh, in the system that isn't fucking set up to help them at all. You know, like my, also, my kids school, it fucking sucks. It's, yeah. it's terrible. We also send, we, we do also like expect people to come into the city to work 
for like almost no money, but to yeah. also live in a city and somehow get to work. Yeah, every I mean, day? Eric and I like our dream house. We can't. I mean, the the house in our neighborhood where we rent right now is three hundred thousand dollars. If a regular ass house that is probably fourteen hundred square feet, like, is unaffordable for us, there's no we can't even get close to that. Like, we're trying to figure out like, are we're gonna where are we going to live? How how can we find a place? We we're gonna go gentrify. Like, that's what we can do at this point. You know. Like, and that's what they want you to do. I mean, that's, that's what the city it's everything's wants you to set do. up to do. Everything yeah. is set up for us to take the shit over, and it's just so stupid. And developer should be a dirty word. Like yeah. when you say the word developer, people should spit on the ground. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because I, I just. I mean, they're putting condos up nearby. They probably would want us to move over here on Indianola where there's going to be a, a brand spanking new Aldi within walking distance. And there's like a vegan cafe and a natural grocer. And they're going to have like, you know, a, a condo for $180,000. That's probably what like they want to slot it into. Well, yeah. And, and, and let me just living you- apart. I mean, you just like. Basically buying an apartment for the rest of our life is what we can fucking exactly. expect to get as as like our like moving on up lifestyle from being broke ass kids that ate fucking rotten food. When when I uh I was going out to get food last night. Did, I wanted to get dinner. Me and my wife were, wife were out walking around the town, and uh, there we live. Oh, fuck it. I mean, enough people see me there now that I think everybody knows that lives in Columbus. We live in Grandview Heights. Which is like a like kind of a small neighborhood right off of downtown. It's about a mile away from downtown, and uh, there used to be a big warehouse there. The warehouse closed. All those jobs went away too, and uh, they leveled it. And a developer came in, and this was before Brett even moved to Dallas. A developer came in, and they were like, "We are going to build the Grand View Yard." And let me tell you about the Grand View Yard. It is going to be magnificent. There's going to be commons areas. There's going to be a playground. There's going to be concerts there. There's going to be so many stores and so many restaurants and so many coffee shops. You're never going to know what to do with it. Yeah, vertical integration. (laughs) And when we were walking yesterday, we were figuring out where we were going to eat. And we were coming up and... Me and my wife like kind of both laughed a little bit and it was like, all that's in the Grandview Yard is a Jason's Deli. Yeah. <laughs> it's the only fucking thing there. It's very There's weird. There's nothing else there. No, they have the fake German restaurant. Uh well, yeah, but that's in that's also in every city, too. That's but people thing. like that. I I guess, yeah. But it, a- it's just real funny to me to think about like that what they ended up actually doing was putting a bunch of condos that nobody lives in and uh, a well, bunch of dentist offices, a gym, and uh, yes, one it's more. A- there's one more thing that they put in there that I wanted to uh, uh, that German restaurant, and it just is like these. These houses are clapboard houses. They're tiny. They call them condos. They're separate from each other, but they're these tiny, shitty built houses. These are like row houses. Yeah, and they're they're five hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, they're and and it's it's a ster- completely sterilized environment. It's it's a place where you go outside and it looks like a comp- it looks like a Google SketchUp, like a like just a model of like a city landscape. <laughs> 
you go out there and then you just take an Uber and a Lyft to like the dirty part of the city where well, like, you know, the rent, you know, where it's $400 for rent above <laughs> a fucking nightclub. My wife was also killing me because she, we, we were walking by White Castle headquarters, which White Castle is headquartered here. It used to be a small building that looked like a White Castle. They're knocking that fucking thing down. Yeah. And they're building condos there. My wife was like, is White Castle building condos? And I was like, yeah. She was like. This is the fucking craziest city. <laughs> it's just everywhere that there's space, there's a condom. Well, and it's and it's that it's just that like lowering of the lifestyle. Like, you know, um they made us all move to the suburbs and then we went out there and then now we're all like, hey, we want to go back to the city. And now they've said like, well, to live in the city, you, you have to pay a half million dollars for a fucking house. <laughs> the it's the like, amount we were paying to go to like, the suburbs. But you know, but uh, you could get like maybe an apartment with a pool, you know, and bike storage and that is affordable, you know, very, like you very get true. a condo now. You yeah. get this, like you said, just slapped together those those ones of the Grandview Yard is just pathetic. It's, no, well, it, it is like the developer made these promises, though. And like, I can't ima I can imagine this is happening all over the country where these developers are coming in and they're saying, we're going to fucking make a city of the future. This is going to be a wonderful city. And then it's like Celebration it Florida. It's going to be like a Disney experience. just all yeah. in one. And they get it done. There's nothing there. But right, I mean, there's a, you can walk to the gym and you can get an awful sandwich from Jason's Deli who should be out place. of business. Yeah. I mean, God damn. Jason should be like a, a like an epitaph for a sandwich. <laughs> like this thing is a real fucking Jason. It's the worst place. Yeah. Like um, I have a bad sandwich is a Jason. Yeah. In my mind. Um. And you were asking us about the uh, tour. It's the Hellfire Congregation. It's us and the Sams and the Trillbillies. And around the uh, Great Saunter, we plan to do probably Philly, New York, maybe Providence, Portland, Maine, uh, and Boston. We plan to go up and do that. It's not booked yet or anything, but, I mean, we're all good friends, and we all are uh, – in a chat together and very excited to hang out with each other again. So I think it's yeah. going to happen. <laughs> yeah, we can get a van. Yeah, we got to get a van, which that's 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 the thing. We know we can get a van, maybe one with a radio in it this time. Maybe like an upgrade to one with yes. a radio. Yes, that would be great. Uh, do you have anything else? I'm sorry. We, we took you way off topic there. No, no, that's, that's okay. No. Are you guys coming to Pittsburgh like anytime soon again? Mm -hmm. I want to. Yeah. Like me and him. I, think I mean, if you meant you mentioning it, you mentioning it does make it a priority. Right. We're doing one offs. I think probably with the trillbillies over our break. We're doing uh, we're taking a road break from mid November to April. And uh, we're only doing gigs that are within like three, three and a half hours of Columbus. So Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh is one. Yeah, is we need to do a proper show there. With, We've never done a street fight show there. Yeah, we haven't done a street fight show there and we can get there and come back. We love the city. It's breathtaking. Um, I'd love to make a vacation of yeah. it. It's one of my favorite places, um, but I still haven't spent a significant amount of time. I want to I really want to dive into all the art museums that are there more than anything and see a show. Um, I want to eat the food. That yeah, food in that city the, is wild. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they gave you a fucking tin tray full of uh, sausage and sauerkraut and the, was the last, French fries. The last time we went we with Jason, and he made us go to Permanti Brothers. Oh, yeah. The original. <laughs> he loves that. Oh, fuck yeah. He loves the that OG place. OG one, so. yeah. <laughs> we were like, yeah, we'll go. But we'll yeah. be there. I think, I think Pittsburgh, I actually had somebody offer to let us perform in a record store there. And... Uh, <laughs> 
you know, that yeah. would be cool. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. We're, we're, I mean, we might set something up. Well, thanks for calling in. Thanks we appreciate in, it. Have a good one. All right, let's get this next caller in here. Oh, we got half hour left. One half hour. How, what do we got left? Hey, thanks for calling Street Fight. What's up? Howdy. Hey, who's this? Uh, <laughs> nobody special. Terry? Okay. Okay. Is this the big guy? Uh, well, I am a big guy, but you're not the I don't big know if guy. I'm a big guy. No. Okay. Um, Can we call you Terry? No, uh, Are you pranking us? No, 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 not at all. Okay. Um, no, uh, Brian, you were talking about uh, Marilyn Manson today. Yes, yes I, I was. was. I, I love, love him. him. I, I bought a Marilyn, Marilyn Manson T-shirt. Yeah, um, like Marilyn Manson and then Eminem, they were like the last great moral panics about music. Right. Um, like I was the guy that told you about how uh, um, there were a bunch of it, there were a bunch of people at like a church thing that were talking about Marilyn Manson, like he was Genghis Khan, he was going to come in and burn their houses down, and um, uh, they they told so uh, well Brian just showed me a shirt actually uh, yeah can I read that shirt yeah Brian so Brian uh so Leslie Lee is a huge Marilyn Manson fan and so when we were driving around and doing the tour with them like uh, Brian had this playlist going and then he just Marilyn Manson came on once Leslie was like I fucking rock with this and Brian was like well fuck it we'll just listen to Marilyn Manson. Apparently, which and this happens to us all, it took him down a wormhole. And when he got to the show today, he was like, "Man, I was I was looking in like you know like the vintage Marilyn Manson shirts, man. I saw this one; it's like two hundred some dollars. But like this shit is fucking shocking to me right now. Like I can't even believe that this was really fucking made. Like I I don't even know if you could do this anymore. So here's what it says. I'm gonna read this off. Uh, warning, but the- like. Kill, kill your parents, kill yourself. Yep, yeah, here it. it comes. It says, warning, the music of Marilyn Manson contains messages that will, and then in big letters, say, kill God. And then it says, in your irresponsible teenage minds, as a message, you could be convinced to, and then in really big words, it says, kill your mom and dad. And it says, and eventually, in an act of hopeless, hopeless rock and roll behavior, you will kill yourself in really big letters. And it says, please burn your records while there's still hope. And, like, that was a shirt he was fucking selling. Yeah. And the thing that, so after listening to Big him, money. After li- I listened to him all day today, and we were listening to him while we were driving, and something occurred to me about Marilyn Manson is that, like, he was talking to teenagers, right? But his songs were all pointed at their parents. He was antagonistic toward teenagers' parents in a way that made him fucking rule at the time. But he's like like us, where he's an adult that's like, your parents are all shams. They're fucking lying (laughs) to you. They're not pious at all. (laughs) Your parents suck. (laughs) And like, but he was saying, he was also kind of making pretty cool statements and like uh i was thinking about the song the man that you fear and the the chorus to that song is is something like uh 
he says something, you poison all your children to camouflage your scars. And I started thinking about how like we all get fucked up from like growing up. And then like a lot of boomer type people decided to just fuck their kids up because that's the way they got fucked up. You know what I mean? Like as they were growing up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I like he was saying that like that is like I mean, of course, like in the song before that, he says, I went to God just to see and God was looking at me, (laughs) saw heaven and hell were lies. When I'm God, everyone dies. That's cool thing to say, but it's not like as meaningful as something like you poison all your children to camouflage your scars. Like that is fucking a really deep thing to be saying to teenagers, you know? And he was just like, for me, uh, adults were terrified of him. I, I saw him live in 1997 at OzFest 97. I went to see him in concert. And then, uh, and there were words a bomb threat. Like somebody called in a bomb threat at the venue and there were just all these cops. They didn't evacuate us or anything. They had a bunch of cops like at one side. Nobody really knew what was going on. And then during his set, an airplane was like flying with a banner that says, remember Jesus loves you and he will forgive you. And then two or three years later, my cousin who was very young got into Marilyn Manson. And her mom called me because she was 14, 15 years old. My, my, uh, her mom called me and she said, Hey, will you go to a Marilyn Manson concert with my daughter if I pay for it? And I was like, well, of course I'll go. And even in 2003, 2004, (laughs) we were walking up to that fucking con or maybe it was like 2006. I don't know, but we were walking up to that concert and we had to walk through a group of Christian protesters handing out pamphlets and stuff like that and it was just really crazy to me that's outrageous yeah i mean that i mean i i i did i mean i i did wish i would have went to something that was that contention i well like i listened to the albums and i saw a lot of it and it was really outright wild but i didn't get to go to the show right well people used to also protest movies back yeah, then. yeah do you remember the movie the siege no. It was racist. It was a very racist movie about. Uh, yeah, Alex. it was. Uh, uh, it was uh, Bruce Willis and mm-hmm. Denzel Washington, and it was about how uh, it was basically a Muslim sleeper cell in New York. Yeah, uh, and they shut 19, down the whole city. Yeah, nineteen ninety eight. They were this movie was made, yeah. and people rightly yeah. were out protesting in front of the movie theater. And it sort of feels like now that the way pop culture is. Is that, first of all, I don't think any parents really even know what's going on because it's all so individualized and it's not really genres or anything like that. And like everybody's just kind of listening to everything. It's like atomized. Like my daughter does not. Yeah, I like I, I'm fucking I don't have any kids and I'm in my mid 30s and I don't know what the fuck yeet means. Yeah, my kid you know? listens to like my all of a sudden Billie Eilish was like the biggest artist in the world and she like snuck in there without me knowing. A guy that prides himself on knowing what people are doing. Like I generally growing up and this is funny, I was actually having this conversation with my wife last night, but one of the things that I I bonded with Brett about that wasn't like poverty or anything like that was that like we were dudes that were always trying to figure out what was next with pop culture when we were kids and like we spent all of our time like like uh we spent all of our time getting as much of it as we could you know you we would sit in front of the tv 
and just watch MTV all day so that we knew what was happening in movies, music, and TV. And it was sort of like some of the most expensive, some of the most important stuff of our lives. And we had Brett, weirdly, Brett has like a more extensive knowledge. He has the same knowledge as me in my generation, but he's five years younger than me. So I don't know. Like he was just paying attention to shit. And like, it's, there's just, I don't think people pay attention to stuff like that anymore. I just don't, I don't really think that, uh, people take these things as seriously as they used to. And, and I don't think anybody takes music that seriously. I think it was like very, it's actually surprising that at that time, even parents that grew up listening to the Beatles, parents that grew up listening to like David Bowie took Marilyn Manson seriously. And I just well, can't see it happening yeah. ever again. Well, and at this point, I mean, it's all been broken open with the, with the spread of information. And, but back then it was very much still in the dark. I mean, you're talking about a time when you had to call people from a landline to get in contact with them. There was no other way. I mean, the computer, was available but very limited and so people just lived day to day and heard about a guy that was androgynous and was telling them to kill god and not believe in their parents anymore and it's you know there had already yeah, well, been like was- enough like sally jesse raphael and like phil donahue specials about satanists and like the way that people can get manipulated by dark spirits and become a part of cults and shit. Like um, it, it was, it's a matter of, he grabbed the right energy to, to create a, a fucking shit storm. Well, yeah. Number one, like you said, it was pre-internet. And then number two, the, the thing that I remember the people freaking out about, um, like at, at a church meeting, was they were talking about this guy Marilyn Manson? He uh, he had some of his ribs removed yeah. so he could yeah he could do self fellatio. That was, yeah, I mean they did a lot of stuff too. I'll say this too: they also it, thought he was Paul from the Wonder Years. Yeah, <laughs> man, that was also a rumor. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but you know the thing about it, uh, you know, I think um, I can if you cut through all of it. I don't think it was a matter of being sensationalist. I do think it was very smart on his part. I think Lady Gaga also did a, has done a similar thing. But at the end of the day, when you listen to the music, it's like some of the best fucking metal music, you know, of the last century. Like, I mean, that's been made, right? Like Marilyn Manson has legendary albums, a lot of them. And uh, so that's really what kept it going. It wasn't just because he was willing to stand up on a podium and rip the Bible in half. It was also because the shit banged. But that shit was also scary. And also, yeah, I I mean. I remember smoking a joint in Bible paper when I was in high school. We, like, took a joint. We smoked a Bible paper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everybody was. There were people that were hung out with me regularly that were legitimately like freaked out. About yeah. That. You just true fuck with the Bible. Yeah. It's like the American flag. Now you just like, don't like, I don't have any problem with somebody burning the flag, but you, if you're going to burn the flag, like in public or on stage, you better be willing to like, take the consequences for that, which are going to be steep. They're going to yeah. be very steep consequences. If you're going to piss on the American flag, which, Fine, do it. I'm real cool with it. But I also like don't yep. want a bunch of veterans threatening to kill me. Yeah. 
And that was like kind of what he would, he like Marilyn Manson being a guy that was like, it's, it's always fascinating. These people that decide to like, take that on. Yeah. That are like, I'll take it on. I don't care. I'm brave. I'm not brave, but it's just like, he was getting rich. He was making money doing, and he was having fun. And if you listen to his discography, you can tell that he obviously after every album, sort of figured out what was tweaking people and then did more of it on yeah. the next album until, you know, people didn't care anymore. I would be interested though. I, I, I would be interested in if somebody else at some point is going to get parents freaked out. There was like a minor uproar last year about Lil Uzi Vert being satanic, but it just went away immediately. Like nobody talked about it because they, they said his name sounds well, like Lil Lucifer. Also, well, Mar- like I, Marilyn- said, I think it was, Mar- I, I think it was Manson, and then it was, and then after that it was Eminem. Yeah, and those were like the last two big moral panics for like white suburbia. Yeah, and then after that, like I mean, that's the way music is went. Is that, um, like rock music isn't dominant anymore? You know, um, you know, white artists aren't dominant anymore. That so is now, interesting. Now, it just gets written off as, well, it's, you know, it's, you know, black music, basically. Yeah, well, they have to rap. It's those guys rapping. Yeah, well, and they also have to be freaked out. I mean, they're freaked out about rap. Like, there are so many people freaking out about rap all the time. But it is like. Yeah, but I mean, that's gone all the way back to like. You know, yeah, it's the same shit. Yeah, I mean the rock stuff. You know, the, pu- you know, Public Enemy and NWA. I mean, I mean, rock stuff is just the rock has been completely commodified to the point where, like, you know, uh, and, and I was on the bleeding edge of this, but there was, there was not a place to go buy stuff besides going downtown to weird stores that had like the T-shirts for those bands, or had had like UFO pants, or had. Like all of that stuff, like you, it really took an took effort, and now it's just been so gobbled up, and it's just a part of things. Like the way that you look, like listening to Marin Manson and being goth back then, I you know was being called like the f word constantly or being like bullied. Like that was not the coolest thing, and now it is just a look for the gram, you know, and like, (laughs) and so it's just things have changed dramatically. Um, but I do want to say also Marilyn Manson, genius musician, also one of the finest uh, contestants on Celebrity Deathmatch as well. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, one of my faves. Also, uh, very good in Sons of Anarchy. His character, he was in Sons of Anarchy, which seems like perfect for him. <laughs> All right. Well, th- thanks, thanks, for, thanks, thanks for calling, buddy. Yeah, appreciate it. Hey, you too, guys. If you want to hear more of that sweet uh, new metal chat from Brian, he's doing a podcast, right? P.O.D. The P.O.D. cast. With uh, John Cullen from Blocked Party. We just recorded our first episode. It is only monthly because I, there's only so many times, uh, any hours in a day. And John is a teacher, and he is also a traveling stand-up comedian. So okay. It's, a, it's like kind of too, and a podcaster. Yes. I'm a podcaster that does a thousand podcasts, but like... Maybe someday we'll make it more, uh, but the first epi- every month we will be looking at a uh, different uh, new metal album. The first one is Significant Other by Limp Bizkit. Uh, I don't know if people are kind of bummed about that because it was like we were kind of going back and forth. We wanted to do like the biggest one, the peak era of new metal. And I feel like 
significant other was kind of the peak and it was like all downhill from there. yeah the red hat dude yeah yeah that motherfucking red hat yeah, yeah. okay yeah i think it's a smart choice yeah i mean, I mean it, it could have been follow the leader but i feel like significant other was bigger it just turned it into arena rock at that point it, it was i mean that, yeah i mean that when it huge. became about nookie then it was like yeah i know what you're talking about <laughs> i can get with this it's weird though you know what i hear what's weird about it and, and i said this on the show but I'm, i want to say it here too there were actually like girls at Limp Biscuit concerts where there were none at corn concerts. None. Like it's just corn con- my wife doesn't. I mean, like at corn. this point there is. I would say the corn concert had a good representation, the one that we went to. When I when in like in retros, but, or seven, when sure. we were seeing the shows, me and my friends were always kind of just like guys beating each other up and being mad at their parents. Yeah, me and my me and my friends were always like, There's no girls at corn concerts, or there's no girls at uh what's the other band? Uh that there's no deaf oh no, but there are girls at Deftones concerts and Limp Biscuit concerts. It, yeah. it was always just like I mean, you know, Fred Durst is a caddy person. And like I think that uh, that stuff is universal and is more party oriented. Right. He wasn't singing about like he wasn't. He was singing about like not depressing stuff. Or, no, you know, it was, it was like, just like it's fucked up. All this, the way things shake out. You know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a lot of the the best like music party music is just about how like you're. It's really confusing the way that you're hate this person but you just can't stay away from them it's funny because like, when you it's read a, that it's our, a young person lesson that you have to learn one of my favorite things is in the and our band could be your lives in that in that book how they they kind of talk about how like the earliest hardcore like minor threat it, and and like i never thought about it like this but it's some guy just talking to somebody that's like not there yeah it's just <laughs> he's telling uh, like he like telling somebody he, off yeah me and you do this sometimes i'll show you that he builds a straw man and then tears it down yeah <laughs> you fucking think that i you know like just yelling at him and that's what limp biscuit mostly was just yeah him building like some I, woman made in his up. mind that broke up with him and he was mad at or some guy that was borrowing money from him that he was mad at it's yeah. mastermind. I mean, you feel like you're a genius in your own mind and you were just playing these complex characters and it was all just hormones and power <laughs> dynamics. It all right, let's hormones. get this last call in here. Thanks for calling Street Fight. Who are we talking to tonight? Is it me? Yeah. This is you? Oh, yay. Definitely you. Oh, my God. This is so crazy. I can't believe this. <laughs> so I wanted to call in to talk to you guys about the fact that I just came back from Burning Man and it made me realize that I'm not lazy. Really? Cool. I like that. So <laughs> how did it make you realize that? So, I mean, I work at a nice white collar job and it's fine and everything, but like, <sighs> I put like my 5% into it and it like, it just kind of starts getting to you. Um, like, in all the ways that work is terrible, but also just making you like wonder, like, why can't I do really, really basic shit? Cause like my job is not that hard or anything, but I struggle so much to do like just what's ahead of me. Cause it feels so soul grinding. But so I went to the burn and I camped with a camp of like 180 some on people and I'm a pretty tiny lady. I'm like 130 pounds, like less than five, five. And I'm out there like hauling just 
so much shit and filling shipping containers and just like sweating in like the hot desert sun and pulling rebar out of the earth and using power tools and just like putting my 110% into this communal effort. And I realized it's because I'm working for something that I actually care about. Yeah. Yeah, that is. I mean, it's so much of it is. I mean, it's attitude. I mean, it's just a matter of like, I really don't want to do this. The last thing I want to do in the world is like do that job thing. Like it feels like pulling teeth, like, um, and I have to do breathing techniques to make it way, make my way through it. But if you're like thrown in the middle of nowhere and it's like, let's fucking make some shelter or something like, yeah, slap this shit together. Just figure it out. It is. It is funny. Like, cause I talk so much about all the things I did when I was working a real job. Like I, I talk about all how I was lazy and I, you know, I was always trying to catch a nap or something like that. And, uh, the way I'm working on street fight right now is I am doing hours that I would have never done for anybody ever. Like there's just not an amount of like, cause I, I'm, you know, I'm putting, I lo- I just launched a new podcast. I'm putting together the Shocktober stuff and I'm doing the regular shows and I'm doing, we're doing live shows. And, uh, it's just like, no man, you know, I, I have boundless energy to make this happen, but never had that for any other place that I worked in my life. Yes, exactly. It's so crazy. I mean, just working with people that you actually like or on something that like you want to see come to fruition or even for like kind of someone else's vision that you just actually believe in in a very genuine sense. And I don't know, I've only been working, I guess I graduated in 2015. So I've been working for four years now and kind of, I guess it's just, at this point in my life where I'm really starting to feel kind of ground down by just like working in a work setting, like in college, you kind of feel like hopeful and that there's this world of possibility and opportunity ahead of you where you could work at a cool company TM. And then you just realize like, no, that doesn't exist. (laughs) So it felt really good to go out and like be affirmed that I can do something that I care about and mm-hmm. I can put my all into something. It's just not, it's just never going to be at the benefit of some random fucking CEO that's trying to squeeze me and all of my coworkers dry. Right. You're not apathetic. And that's the thing. Like, cause I go through phases, I think where I, 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 I was having a conversation with somebody yesterday about like my apathy where it's like, you know, I don't want to tell people that you can't change the world, but sometimes I really feel like like it's impossible and that I don't have any faith in people to make it happen. But I don't want to like that's not the message I want to send and and that's not the world that I want, you know? And uh it that's not so that's not like what what I would I wouldn't say that, you know? It, it's like uh it's better to just work on something that you believe in that you want to happen than it is to like give in to this thing. And, and I'll say this too. You said you've been working four years and you don't feel like you've been doing it like for long enough to get burned out. You are in it. And, uh, four years is a long time. And, uh, I mean, it usually takes people. I mean, it's, it's the thing, you know, what's happening and you know what, you know, that, you know, maybe you got to try for something else. And you know it like very early on compared to other people. Cause I know that like 
when when I was when I was working and and I had been in the workforce for four years, I was twenty years old, and uh, I thought that the fact that I wasn't able to hold on to a job was my fault or made me a bad person until I was like 35 years old. I like didn't get over that. And, uh, you have, a, a you, you have had this epiphany and it seems like, you know, you, it seems like you figured something out there. Like it, it jarred something loose and, and, uh, it'll probably motivate you to do more, or do, do something different, you know? Yeah, that's definitely the hope. And that's part of the reason I wanted to call in is just because I wanted to say to other people who I'm sure there are literally millions of people feeling the same way right now. It's like, you are not a lazy person. Mm -mm. You are not the worth of whatever productivity measure that you are placed against, like in the confines of your job. I'm sure that you are a capable person and you're capable of doing so many amazing things. It's just like... (laughs) Like, why would you in whatever system you're in right now? Because there's no actual intrinsic or extrinsic extrinsic motivation for you to do so. There's no, like, guarantee that if you work really hard, you're going to get out on the other end and be rewarded either. You know, we've seen so many people get out on the other end of, like, working until they're like 65 or whatever. And then then they're working at Walmart after that because their job they retired and, and they ended up needing money. And it's like, once you, once, once you kind of understand all that stuff, you, I don't know. I think it, it in a way it, it may, it motivates you to do new things and different things. And it makes you feel like less. Cause for me, it was like, I need this job. If this job goes away, it's catastrophic. And it, and it's never going to, it's going to be bad. And, and like, I, I have to put all my energy into this and I put no energy into anything else, you know? And that's the sad thing. Mm -hmm. I think the saddest thing to me is like, you give them so much of yourself that you can't do these things that you're passionate about. And people don't have that opportunity like you did, or like I did to figure out like, Oh shit, you know? I, I do, I am worth something. Like I can do something. There's something I'm good at. It's just not this, <laughs> or, it's, or it's not even that yeah. you're not good at it. There's something I, I'm good at, but I have no interest in becoming good at this or doing this right. Even, you know, or even like I could be good at this, but like the way I could be good at this is not acceptable within the confines of my job. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. I, I always, I always felt that way. At, at, like every job I ever had, it was like, you know, I could make this job tolerable for myself, but they wouldn't like the way that I do it. You know, I mean, if I could come yeah. in at like, I would do any job in the world. If I could come in at like two, you know, or at like, uh, if I could come in at two and work till 10 or like, even on days where I woke up a little earlier, I could cut like, you know what I'm saying? Like Brett, if it, like I could do almost any shitty job in the world if they just let me do it my way and let me come yeah. in when I want to do and let me do the amount of work that's there and then just leave. Like I could do that. And I would feel like I'd be able to, to move on like with the rest of the day. And I think the thing that we get so tied up in is we get so, we get so uh, we, I desperately am holding on to a thing that I know that I don't want to do. And I, I'm not putting all my effort into it, but it's taking away all my energy to put my effort into things that I care about. 
And I, I think that's the tragic thing a lot of times that people run into. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like, and they just like really guilt you in certain ways about like, why isn't this your biggest priority? And it's like, because no one ever cares about something like this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because at the end of the day, we're here to like stroke somebody's ego above us. Like, no, no one wants to hear like an honest critique of the workplace and, you know, or how or what everybody else thinks here uh, or how things should be run. Like they just want everything to be comfortable and smooth and me to be here with a smile and, and not make a, a problem, you know? Yeah. And like, I just want through some weird company training. I mean, like, I, I don't know if this is true for everyone, but our company will like consistently redo training and like evolve as a way to like show that they're doing something or something. Uh-huh. And one of the things is like, Oh yeah. Call out if there's a breakdown in communication and, you know, come up with a new communication plan. And I had an instance with a coworker where they, I mean, were just acting super unprofessionally and super rude to me. And so I, you know, brought it up to my manager and I said, Hey, I think we're having like a communication breakdown. I'm calling a breakdown. And I think we should like all get together to come up with, you know, a plan about how to approach this. And he was basically like, no, we're not going to do that. And it's like, well, then what was the point of everything we just talked about? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, was that serious? I'm sorry. I guess I mistook what we were doing there, you know? Yeah, it's just, I don't know. I mean, it's like a con, it's just a classic case of like CYA. Like they're just trying to cover their own ass and like exactly. any situation and like come up with a framework to mitigate your complaints. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what, I mean, that's what it's, I mean, you know, so much of it is just not being an underling, like just figuring out a way to not be considered to be one of the lower people and slotting yourself in alongside of the email pushers, you know, uh, and the folks that don't have to be held accountable and some have to build up like the kind of clout where people won't even bother to ask like what they actually do, you know? Yeah. And that's like another thing too, is just like, I've been like, okay, so who does what? And no one really seems to have an answer. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. So I don't know. It's just, and it feels all to bring this all back. It feels really weird to come back from like the desert where there's just such a sense of communal effort and people really are organized based on like, okay, what are you good at? And also what do you want to learn how to do? And like, none of this is too serious and it's all going to happen either way. And like, we're not worried about making money. So to go from kind of like this really very weird wonderful environment and to come back to a place where like it's even taboo to ask questions about the right way to do something just feels very very jarring yeah yeah for sure that's um i mean uh yeah i mean that it's like do you regret it now like do you would you just like shove all that away like do you wish you could just forget that you ever ever realized all of this <laughs> like what do you no, what do you do like not. so what do you do with this information <laughs> I mean like so this is the second time that I've gone so this this feeling is very familiar like I went through this the last time as well um it's just you know reliving all of it and I didn't go last year so it's kind of like a bigger 
I guess, re-entry shock. But I guess what I would say is the best thing you can do is, like, the best thing that I have done since um, my first endeavor in 2017 and what I've done since then and what I plan to do after this is just hitch yourself to a community art project or a, com- or a community arts endeavor. So, like, after the first time... Um, I managed art grants for a community event of like 400 people and I just help people submit their art and get money for it and kind of bring it all together to be enjoyed. And then I've done that on a larger scale and now I'm either going to do that again with some kind of community arts grant project or actually help like the project management of some sort of art project. So I would just say get involved with some kind of community endeavor, whether it be in the arts, whether it be, um, like community activism, whether it be political stuff, just like get together with a group of people where profit is not the main motivator. And you'll be so surprised at how wonderful people are at what close relationships you make and at how fulfilled you feel. Like after coming back the first time, it was the first time I'd done anything remotely community oriented and it completely changed my outlook and like the way that I related to life outside of myself. That, yeah, yeah, I can see great. that. I, yeah. I mean, like, you know, we we have kind of, it's changed, the, our this podcast has changed the way we look at the world in that, like, me and me and Brett, I don't think I was the most, uh, I don't think I loved people very much until I started doing this, and then a community developed, and then I meet people around me, and now I just, like, have, like, a real appreciation for other humans. Like, I don't dislike them like, like I used to, and... uh and it is just by virtue of meeting a ton of people, you know, a ton of different people, different types of people. And it's 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 been real great for me. So, yeah, organizing in your community means that you meet all different types of people and you'll probably build lifelong friends doing that. Um, thanks for calling in. We're we're uh, we're we're heading out. Right, Brett. Awesome. Yeah. Yep. Have a good night. Well, thanks. Oh, Thanks go ahead. so much for talking to me. Can I uh, can I plug one thing? Hell yeah. Yeah, of course. All right. So I'm friends with um your Christian friend from Chapel Hill who hooked you up with some liquid shrooms. Oh. And it was his birthday recently. Oh, that's the so best I would person. I'd like to say, yeah, happy, happy birthday to the Christian friend. And thank you so much for talking to me. Y'all like help just keep it real and, you know, just mitigate like kind of the gaslighting i feel from working in a corporate shitty environment so thank y'all for existing yeah and can you tell the christian friend that we're going to be in the northeast uh with this the boys again and they're probably going to really want some of those (laughs) yeah those were amazing (laughs) i'm kidding i'm kidding that was like the best way to do shrooms ever (laughs) it was incredible everybody really loved it along <laughs> they really made that tour special i will say so let them know that like yeah that whole show the made whole that, podcast we did we were doing those fucking things we were squirting in our fucking mouth right and and, and that, uh, that tell let them know <laughs> that they made that tour like they made the hellfire congregation like a thing like now it's like i'm a- i'm I'm so happy to hear that, and I will make sure he knows. Yeah, he should feel real good. I mean, I, I mean, I really care for those 
those other for the Sams and for the Trillbillies and for Nick and and Martha and, and oh my god was out there. You know it was crazy as hell. Nick is he's a little baby. He's only like twenty two years old, <laughs> and he took a squirt of those mushrooms. And uh, we were staying at this place out on a creek in Florida that, and he just starts running around in the grass going. <laughs> <laughs> he's like laughing like hysterically and he's like looking at our faces and he just starts laughing at how different everything looks and it was such a it was so fucking funny right the like Sam's marta guy. was kind of like is he gonna is he becoming like is he uh what she said something like is he losing his mind right now and i'm like yeah but not in like a bad way the sam's got like really crazy about ping pong there too where oh they were yeah like, wouldn't stop playing and like i think it felt like if they didn't they thought if they didn't play ping pong they wouldn't be able to hold on to their sanity you know? yeah yeah it was very fun so uh th thanks thanks for calling in and thank your friend for being awesome some of the best tripping i've done in my life for real yeah absolutely thanks everybody so much. everybody thank your christian friend that that's their name right <laughs> your christian friend or yeah. is there christian my christian friend yeah absolutely her, everybody Protestant man yeah everybody thank them for for solidifying <laughs> the bond of the hellfire congregation and like making a great time for us thanks for calling in there yeah absolutely have a great night i will peace i'm about to watch the fanatic baby <clears throat> thanks for listening to street fire radio we will see you wednesday on wednesday yeah we'll be back on wednesday we're going to do the live stream if you want to watch it if you want to chat along you can find us on twitch twitter youtube and facebook um you can also see us live if you're in Texas next month, October. We're going to be in Dallas, Oklahoma City, Austin, and Houston. That information is available at streetfightradio.com. If you want more of what we do, just go to patreon.com slash streetfightradio. There's an impressive amount of bonus content that you can get and uh, rummage through. Uh, hey, be ready for us. Seattle, Portland, San Francisco, Los Angeles, and San Diego. November. We're at the very beginning of November. We're leaving on November 8th to head out there, and we're doing shows at those places, and the tickets probably be up sales very soon, like in the next week or so. Okay. Everything's booked, so it's just a matter of putting everything together. And uh, that's the last tour until April. And uh, then finally in April, Florida will finally get Street Fight Live. <laughs> yeah, the whole thing, the whole shebang. Yeah. But uh, we appreciate everybody that's uh, supported us this far, and we'll continue to do what we do. And please let us know what you think and uh, reach out to us, email, DM, at reply, whatever it is. We're Street Fight Radio. Stay barefoot. Peace. <laughs>